Welcome to Showboys, a podcast that delves into the world of film and TV. Hosts Nick, Mike, and Chad take their water cooler talk from the office to the web as they discuss their favorite movies, shows, and all other content in between. In this week's episode, the boys sit back and react to the finale of Dave Filoni's Ahsoka series. So, what now, Star Wars? Great, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. Super stoked to be here. I'm so happy you're here. I was happy you were going to be here the whole time, and now I'm even more happy because none of the other boys showed up. Um, <laughs> you know, you'll you'll have that. So I'm glad you're here with me. Um, Absolutely, no reason to go solo. Part. You're not a solo boy. You can still keep the S at the end. <laughs> you know, I, I always uh, it's weird. Like the really the only person I, I feel comfortable like talking about Star Wars with, like by myself is myself like just thinking about it otherwise like it would just i think be weird um but but these conversations are always best in twos or more um as a rule yeah as a rule just just for the internet's sake um no one needs <laughs> one person t- telling them about star wars it's better as a conversation that's absolutely star wars to me. it's always that's, a conversation to be had that's how i've made a lot of friends is through star wars conversations and one thing that i learned in my generation was that you know, everybody was open to Star Wars. Everyone loves Star Wars. Everyone was willing to talk about Star Wars. And even if you didn't like it, you still knew about it. So it was always a good conversation piece. Knew about it, had things to say about it. There was something you liked about it, but there's probably mm-hmm. a lot of stuff you didn't like about it. Um, <laughs> so at least if we can dial in on the things you did like, there's a conversation to be had there. Exactly. Because who doesn't love space wizards with laser swords? Yeah. And if that's not exciting enough, you, there's politics. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so you know, you, you decide which side of the fence you're on. You're just you like politics, or you like space words, wizards with laser swords. And if you don't, there's still space battles with awesome ships. So that, that was my next point. I was like, or <laughs> you know, I can rewatch. You know, a good portion of my childhood was really just rewatching the movies to see the battles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everything else kind of glazed over my head because. The original three were already well out before I was even born. And then Same. I was like nine, ten when episode one came out. So it was a very um, coherent experience as like I moved into my teens and like 20s. And I would obviously still rewatch these and be like, oh, I get that now. Um, right. You can grow with that. Like at-, at walkers and <laughs> starships um so i mean when you go back and watch episode three or episode six rather return of the jedi and it's like boo i'm annoyed by the ewoks and yet you miss out on this awesome epic space battle that's happening you know that has lando calrissian snaking all the way through using the millennium falcon going through the you know new death star it was phenomenal and just to say they 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 always they always hallmark back to that particular scene i think with the millennium falcon mm-hmm. and no one's been able to like recapture that like solo obviously gets very close because yeah it's all about that ship um basically um 
but yeah, episode six, like when Lando's driving that thing, thing is smoking. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the that's the roller coaster everyone wants to ride in that ship. Exactly. We all give Han Solo the credit and we remember him that sure he may have been pretty cool and he may, may have been pretty impressive, but nobody's Lando in that girl. Like that was his baby. And mm-hmm. you see that and it's really rad. Yeah. And I really like Solo too. Like that movie, I I I I, I love that movie. Um, oh, I thought it was fantastic. I think it was a really good spiritual successor to the story of Han Solo. Uh I I love Donald Glover. He's yeah. phenomenal. As, I mean, he's wonderful, Lando. Look, Billy Gosh, D. Williams is Lando. But Donald Glover gave us the best young Billy D. Williams we could have gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hands down, easily. But, like, just I, the fun things like that that make... Then when you go back and watch episode six, and you're like, oh, look, here's this moment where uh, he's handing the keys back over to the Falcon. You know, like, it, it was already... You knew it was important because of just the dialogue they've built mm-hmm. up between them and the Falcon. But then you watch that movie and you're like, there it is. Like so much more now behind that. Yep. Just a little scene, a little scene. Yep. And then they, which kind of, you know, kind of poo pooed on the Kessel run part, which made the Kessel. That was the only thing. My issue with solo was it, it didn't do great for the Kessel run experience. You know, we didn't need to actually see that. Right. You know, that was my only knock like on it. Literally see it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> like, I didn't want to see it. It's it's more yeah. fun the the story I've built up for 30 yeah. plus years in my mind. I don't want to know this now. It's the Kessel Run. Um <laughs> well that's my favorite like same idea, but probably different though, different opinion on it is um like the Clone Wars. My favorite meme is there's variations of it, but it's like when Obi-Wan mentions the Clone Wars in episode four and, you know, it's like the what? And yeah. It's like, oh, don't worry about that. Your kids are going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hundred percent. It's a full on Michael J. Fox moment. <laughs> You're just like, you, you guys can't handle this right now. Not at all. You're not ready for it. It's it's the 80s. Can't do it yet. Yeah. Can't put all that on screen yet. I know. But like even at the, and that's I mean. You know, he got a lot of crap for years about like his dialogue and his style and all that. But obviously, I think it's aged like fine wine. Like it just simply mm-hmm. gets better because he, he leaves it so open ended. It's so loose on purpose because like yep. he's you know he only says exactly what's needed to be said. Like if there's no reason to have a massive amount of exposition in a scene, he's like, yeah, let's not do it then. I mean, no need. And especially you're looking at. I think it works better for Obi-Wan's character specifically, because he doesn't need to say more. He's been living in a desert as a hermit for all these years. So he says he's very terse now in his age. So, and plus he's seen a lot, you know, and, and it's tough. You don't want to say too much around Luke because you don't want to give away the ghost. So (laughs) "Mm, can I say that? Can I not say that? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, he said the Clone Wars and even like as a, as a child, like he said that I'm like, that sounds really cool. Whatever that is. And and I think I've reflected on that a little bit, and it's because you're in this universe at that time that is very void of anything like a clone or mm-hmm. that sort of technology or idea. So to say mm-hmm. that there was an entire set of wars or a war of the of clones, um, just like that sounds really interesting. There's more right? to this. I need to know. I must know. I mean, even there, the technology on Tatooine kind of drives you to want to know more 
right out the gate because they're using this incredibly advanced technology for very primitive things. Yeah. So it's right from the get. I mean, one of the things that drew me into, I think Star Wars has been always been fantastic with is the idea that the further you get away from the core planets, that technology really is just about survival. It's yeah. not about all the extra frills and all these things that we might think of like, oh, why don't you do this with it? But in those eras, it's like, well, they're they're doing it to live. So they're actually like conquering a planet. You know, it's very much of what the uh, home settlers would do going out and having to use whatever was around. So it's pretty awesome. And I love the way they do that. So it draws you in just begging the question of what was that technology for once, though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and in, in, in Mike's early days, even like pre like Star Wars fandom, because um, he's still still freshy to the scene in the past five years, um, maybe less actually. But um, you know, he was like, they can fly in spaceships, but they live in mud huts. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, it's just practical. I mean, we have very sophisticated things here on, on Earth, let alone, and there are places in Earth where yes, people still live in mud huts. They have access to technology. Does that mean they use it for the same things that the core worlds would? No, no, no not at all. Right, exactly. Yeah, and mud, you get to kind of with a with a electronic panel in it. I want to see the wiring in a mud hut. Like, they're running <laughs> wires through the, the mud walls. Just one big conduit back there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, see, yeah, and all anyway. these wonderful things that it opens up because it could be anything. What could be yeah. back there? Is it actually in, like, when they're building the mud hut, do they just stick it in there and then, like, <laughs> schmackle it over it? <laughs> yeah. Schmackle, yeah. It's just a lot of drywall. Mud drywall. Just mud mudding wall. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Just get it right. You have to chip it out. You um, chip it out and mud it again. <laughs> then there's C-3PO, right? You know, like, Anakin somehow crazily was able to build that as a the chit obviously he's chosen one boy genius yada yada but mm -hmm. still a lot of wires going on there and that and that drawer. a lot of wires man a lot of wires a lot of weird harnesses you have to connect up to you know some strange bus pathing you yeah. can mess anything up at any moment and imagine the processors like <laughs> like what are you what, what are you putting in there like how do power cells go in uh it's too much <laughs> yeah and, and i kind of had a revelation about that uh, twofold one i was watching an episode of the mandalorian and i think it was the last season where um kind of the quest was you needed to go get that part to get um the the ig unit back mm -hmm. up and running that's like yeah. very beginning of season three mm -hmm. that didn't really go too far that wasn't really a big plot line no uh, no the, the yeah just a side quest they just made an episode of it well season three was a lot of side quests yeah they all are um but between that and then um i have like the robot vacuums right and uh one of its basically called a bad motivator um mm -hmm. went bad in it and to fix it i could fix it myself they just had to send me the part and it's just like the the unit that i just had to replace in it and i was like oh okay so star wars is really just a galaxy of an otherwise fairly universal modular system of mm -hmm. parts that just people need to do things so like there are things called motivators that are universally used in whatever you might be motivating um mm -hmm. and it kind of clicked in my brain i'm like oh that's why anyone can seemingly have this like really cool droid um because we have these standardized parts mm -hmm. so we uh, star wars can thank henry ford for that i suppose and these <laughs> that's exactly who he got it from a hundred percent 
all the scenes on Geonosis are thank you to the Ford Motor Company. Yes. <laughs> they got they got they got money from that movie. They still do. Every time <laughs> someone watches Clone Wars or <laughs> Attack. Whenever they show a conveyor belt, any conveyor belt in history, <laughs> they just give money to them. <laughs> Patented. Pen the 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 image of it, the likeness, the likeness of the conveyor belt is a credit to Sir Henry. Um, but anyway, I digress. We digress. Um, we were here to talk about Ahsoka, um, mm-hmm. not just the finale, the series as a whole. Um, I I really just called this episode tonight as like a series reaction or uh, yeah, series finale reaction because is there a season two? I don't know. No one really needs to know. I see those articles out there. It's like everything we need, we know about season two. What does it say in the article? We don't know if there's a season two. Very insightful. Thank you. I love those. They are fantastic. And it's such clickbait because all of us click on it like, well, maybe they know something. They don't. They never know anything more than we do. It's very seldom. Like, they, And they this one. The series for like 10 paragraphs. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, will there be more? We don't know. Thanks for checking in. <laughs> it's awesome. We know as much as you do. Yep. I want to get paid for that. It sounds like a great right. gig. Just telling everybody they know as much as everyone else does. It's very reassuring. Yep. Reassuring job. It, yeah, that sounds like, you know, nice. But give them a pat on the head while you do it. Like, look, yeah. it's probably not going to happen, but it's okay. We got paid for all the ads on this page. So you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for popping glad through. Glad you stopped then, yes. Um, but yeah, Ahsoka. Um, really, Dave's, really Dave's launch pad. That's what I'm mm-hmm. kind of thinking of Ahsoka as a whole as is Dave's launch pad because, you know, obviously you could call Clone Wars that and many other things he's worked on that, but not really. Like, it's all just, it's all prelude. It's all him just testing, playing, mm-hmm. learning, trying new things. And then we have Ahsoka, which I really feel like is the pilot for what is to come. Mm-hmm. He's kind of backdoored his way into taking ownership of the future of where Star Wars is going to go in these next couple movies in their general direction. And it's necessary because we did have Force Awakens, which I love. I absolutely love the the entirety of the trilogy. Not so great. It, it was discombobulated and a little clunky. Uh, but I do love the characters. I love what they did. One of the biggest issues, though, is they tried to create a Star Wars story in Star Wars as opposed to what Dave Filoni has done, which is actually focused on creating some really good stories inside of the Star Wars universe. So he's created those two fantastic stories in Clone Wars. Excuse me. We're we're essentially following Anakin, but also Ahsoka. And all of the main characters we know through the eyes of Ahsoka, a character we don't know. And then we get, you know, some cool characters along the side. Rebels does this as well, basically proving to us that, you know, rebels are rising up in small factions before they become united and then showing us the growth of that side, which, you know, Rogue One does exceptionally well as well. So there's a couple of these moments and these shows that Filoni created that he was finally able to tie in. And I couldn't agree more that this is his pilot. This is him saying, all right, everything I created that fans of Star Wars will love, or even just fans of these TV shows will love here. They are live for you. And also, here's an awesome story to follow. I mean, we have such an incredible bad guy in Thrawn, who Lars Mikkelsen 
just demolishes that role, man. He just did so well. And him standing side by side with who I think is one of the greatest new Star Wars characters yet to date, which is Balin Skull. Those two were just mountains that rose out of the clouds with their incredible, mm -hmm. impeccable work. Um, and Rosario Dawson embodied this character. She became Ahsoka. So working with Dave Filoni, we get some fantastic actors who are very well seasoned and get to bring these characters to life in a perfect way. Yeah, and it's pretty incredible on all fronts, even whether they're new characters or obviously existing characters, how well um, the actors themselves are even to bring the, those characters, obviously, to life. But they have very good source material to study. Like, <laughs> go watch Clone Wars and Rebels, and you'll have a really good idea on how these characters should be played. But yep. the actors, like, phenomenal. Like, not just, like, aesthetic-wise, like, leave that to the crew actor wise like they did such a good job um with each one of those i was really impressed by that yeah they they really did a fantastic job you're right i mean crew wise they made them the the costume and and design department did perfect i mean nailed it this is absolutely what you want to see makeup did great hair did great but what they brought to life what what rosario dawson brought out of ahsoka this almost and everyone was, I, well, not everyone. I read a lot of complaints early on about her acting being wooden. And it's like, well, she's trying to be a Jedi. And in her mind, this is what being a Jedi is. And she's still damaged. So she's covering that part of her that was once fun-loving and happy because she's trying to be more of the straight and narrow version of the Jedi she had known previous. Versus when she breaks that, she gets to come through that part of herself and, you know, kind of make peace with it really and become balanced again which was a fantastic bit they did with her being in the world between worlds mm -hmm. was so great uh so i i love seeing that in her seeing her become the ahsoka from clone wars and be funny and a little more aggressive and a little just giving into her emotions a little more and willing to so that was great yeah i mean tons of people plenty of people just had a lot of issue with um the portrayal there just tone wise right just mm -hmm. just rigid very dry bland but there that existed at least in uh clone wars for sure and oh yeah season seven like she became much more stoic much more jaded like mm -hmm. uh season seven when you know she meets up with oe one anakin and um and bo bo katan was there mm -hmm. right like she was very cold toward Obi-Wan and Anakin. Like she has a lot of baggage there and is jaded. Mm -hmm. So that she really was that side of that, of her character. So it's not unprecedented for her character to be arms folded, very just straight with everyone. Like that's mm -hmm. Ahsoka's older self. She's not, you know, yeah, she's of course is not season one, two, three of Clone Wars. Like, did did everyone finish Clone Wars? I don't know. Sometimes exactly. Um, well, then, and when when you get her in Rebels, the same way, she's very much so. She's a she's an agent working on the outskirts for the rebellion. So she's not she's you know that that sort of cold, distant person. Yeah. And and they they there's dialogue too in like episode one or two. She explains to Sabine, and Sabine's like, "You still live here? Like in the ship?" She's like, "It works for me." Mm -hmm. Like she's a wanderer. She just wanders the Jedi or wanders the galaxy. She goes where she's needed. And she says mm -hmm. that. So like 
she is not homely or like warm and cozy. Like she just travels around the galaxy kind of hunting artifacts and trying to prevent bad things from happening. So, um, which, uh, part of the great part in here in this wonderful series, she fails. Yes. <laughs> and it's wonderful. It's a delight. Wonderful fail. Yeah. And yeah, mm -hmm. it, it kind of, well, I mean, outside of the whole end of rebels, I mean, the success there wasn't much anyone's right other than Ezra space whales all that jazz yeah I mean Ezra was really the only big winner yeah I mean well unless you be consider hold on because I want to state that if I could had the chance to become a spirit wolf I would totally go spirit wolf as well so Kanan kind of won too yeah, like <laughs> rest in peace Kanan yeah um no Kanan's Kanan's champion and I love references to Kanan in this series mm -hmm. and really just kind of everywhere him and just seeing him as a young jedi padawan and bad batch was pretty awesome to see yeah just little threads little things kind of all throughout um but um what, what you're saying about um the prequel no sorry the sequel trilogy right mm -hmm. and with ahsoka it really kind of shows like they are going in with mando um you know, what all the other shows, series, books, whatever, did for the original trilogy and even the prequel trilogy, the same is going to happen for the newer trilogy, right? They're going to enhance it by telling stories and filling in gaps. Now, were the exactly. gaps more apparent and blatant and sloppy in that one? For sure. Can we fix it? Yes. And they yeah. do a pretty good job. Um, it just isn't going to be as passive and graceful as you know enhancements that have happened to the other two trilogies but that's fine exactly um, they, have they to fix things they and they've done it a little bit uh i actually have been playing jedi survivor mm. the uh that game which is fantastic um and they the do a little one. yeah the second one yep uh fallen order is the first one and then this is the follow-up to that and there will be a third game which is pretty pretty awesome uh this but they've done a good job of filling in some of the holes in part two and part three uh, through this video game. So right. which all, all the stories is awesome, how the canon is kind of growing again and we're getting logical steps, which is nice because we have three more movies coming out, two of which will be dealing with things we've just discussed. So that's going to be pretty great because Filoni gets his movie, which will be the wrap up of this. And then we also have the uh, Ray movie. So Ray will yeah. be getting her own movie. So that should be interesting to see. Yeah. And I think, I think what maybe wasn't as appreciated is how much time there is to explore between six and seven. Like mm -hmm. there's a ton of time. There's much more. Well, is there much more time? I feel like there might be equivalent between the trilogies. We're only kind of getting, so this is right now is 10 years after. Yeah. Um, Ahsoka. The, Ahsoka. Yeah, Ahsoka is 10 years after, and when we get to the new First Order, that's almost 15 or 20 years after. No, yeah. longer than that, because Ben Kenobi is like 26, 27 hmm. in Force Awakens, so we've almost got 30 years. Yeah, okay, so yeah. that's a much bigger gap than um, the other way around. Cause yeah, because Ben like Solo, nah, Ben Solo is probably like born right now. Right. Ten, yeah, 10 years after. So, yeah, I'd say right about there. Yeah, so, there's a 20-year yeah. between three and four. Okay, yeah. I would say. Because Luke was about 19 A New Hope. 
I would uh, 16, 16, 17 in a new hope. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, so even less yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, I still want to see more <clears throat> empire era stuff, um, which I'm happy we, we do get to see with like things like Andor, um, mm-hmm. solo a little bit of that, but definitely want them yep. to dig more into that. But not that we don't get empire stuff with, uh, you know, the remnants of the empire kind of like lingering around, which is always fun. Um, right. And this, and that's the interesting story that they're telling, which I think is helping a lot to the newer trilogy, even though it's very passive. Yep. It just answers more meta questions about like the old, the new Republic. Like, why do they suck? And like, <laughs> how did the first order just pop up? The, the very boring, like political, just the dialogue about the entire government is made up of ex Imperials. Like, well, there's, there's a really, lo- that's a good, a good explanation. Mm-hmm. They were able to throw those little one liners out there and make it go. Oh, okay. I get it now. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And, uh, and that, and, and that just, it's just cool. Cause it just, it just really expands it because obviously at the end of this Thrawn returns, spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Um, <laughs> and you know, they roll up on Dathomir not to jump right to the end, but it introduces quite the story to tell mm-hmm. now in universe, right? Because we got to dip out of the universe. Obviously everything's free game out there. We'll get to that later. Um, but the in-universe effect of Thrawn returning is pretty incredible. And like that just sets up hopefully a very nice, at least one movie, if not a trilogy of events that occur between the trilogies here. Like that's Gosh, I, I'm really hoping we get a full Filoni trilogy out of this because the first movie, just him returning and how he basically builds the first order. Whether it's going to be named that, however they're going to twist it and turn it and what they're going to use it for. But, I mean, that's Thrawn. The impetus is he's the reason that they were able to come back and rise again. So he's basically a better Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah. Yeah. Much more. I mean, and that was a great dialogue. He's like, I've seen many Imperial captains or whatever, like, assume the same thing. Like, I, we are not doing that ever. Uh, mm-hmm. Not in my playbook. He admits it. He admits that he's like, I was bested by a single Jedi in his heroics. He's like, it's not a thing. We can't underestimate a single one of them. And the cool thing about that is it's kind of like a a trope buster for Mm -hmm. like that was a trope of just it happens all the time. Like they even really abuse it in um, The Last Jedi where that entire opening (laughs) sequence was just that trope over and over again. Um, Yep. So it's cool that someone in the universe, just like Thrawn, right? Super meta thinker as it is, is just like, I'm going to acknowledge that this is a ridiculous trope that we always fall into. And it's Mm -hmm. just underestimating um, our enemies. Stop. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Cause I think that's one of the things Filoni has done in all of his series. I mean, the inquisitors, they were kind of trope busters. And then you had, uh, even in, in, uh, the, the Clone Wars, when you actually got to know the clones, when you follow Echo yep. and Fives. And, you know, they're, they're all little trope busters that he likes to do that. No, no, for the most part, it's true and right that all the Nora, everyone is that aloof and stupid <laughs> and makes those big mistakes. But not everybody. And it's important that he brings that sort of reality and grounding and a little more critical thinking to all of us. And, and this show really did that. It brought all the critical thinking. It forced you to like facial reactions made you go, wait, what? 
yeah, and Mickelson, yeah, like you said, crushes Thrawn. Like the demeanor's all there, and I've listened to the new Thrawn books, um, mm-hmm. and very on character, like just just well done. Um, and that he's such a distinct character, too, mm-hmm. very unique. And that's the thing that Ahsoka does really well is. Even with the new ones, like Thrawn, pre-existing, but also recycled at this point, because the new trilogy does redo his character a little bit, or more so the events around right. his character um, as heir to the Empire. But, um, you know, Star Wars has to have really good bad bad guys, really mm-hmm. good ones. Um, and obviously, I think that's a pitfall of the um, sequels, is... They, they stumbled a lot there. Obviously, yeah. Ren was fantastic, but and he was like the bright spot throughout the whole thing, the whole Fallen Prince mm-hmm. idea. Um, yep. Fantastic. But other than that, right, like Snoke was short-lived, Palpatine yeah. just comes back. That's not good enough. Whereas, no. like, see, prequels, original trilogy, top-notch enemies. I mean, even, even Mandalorian, we've got Moff oh, yeah. Gideon. He's awesome. Gideon's rad. He's terrifying. The whole ISB, I, well, and that's a, a great thing with uh, Andor is giving us the ISB because now we get to see the the secret police Gestapo effect, you know, which is it's all the tiers of the Empire. It's not just this whole the Empire, you know. You have to worry about Vader showing up. Vader's hunting. He's busy doing his own thing. He's not going to see the everyman, and if you see him, you don't right. want to because he's probably just going to tear you apart. Yeah, but you're more likely to see an ISB agent everywhere couple of them in town uh that was a really cool thing they did and with this we get uh, previously we had not only vader but grand moff tarkin and tarkin was brilliant because he was so cold and so calculating well now we get this chiss who's just so brutal (laughs) and when it comes to tactics he's comfortable having three layers of something so that way when his first one even fails He's thinking he pulled it off when he tells him to rain fire, you know, thinking he won't have to get into a ground war. He's just going to blow him out of the sky. He's upset. And you can see it on his face. And Mickelson plays that perfectly. Mm. So it's wonderful to see these tiers of bad guys uh, way, way better than anything we really got in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. And, you know, it's fantastic that they were able to capitalize Thrawn and bring him to live action and hit all those notes. But then around him, he has fantastic supporting bad guys, whether it's the night troopers, Mm -hmm. right. Going full undead moment. Amazing. Right. We needed that in star Wars. Everyone's been asking for the horror in star Wars. Um, We got it. I like Elspeth. Like she, she's a good character. I'll Mm -hmm. see night mothers are always um fantastic characters they're easy characters to play they only they really only say like five different things all the time yep and Um, it's great though i mean claudia black (laughs) nailed it that's all i needed her for it's like thank you i was watching farscape a few weeks ago and was like it'd be great to see claudia black in something again and then boom (laughs) boom there she is and they're much like uh you know the the fates in like Hercules mm-hmm. or something like that, yep. which is always cool. Um, but then you add in you know, our, our Balin and, and Shin, like fantastic. And they're not, mm-hmm. and they're great because they are what I kind of see as good characters playing bad roles. Yes. Um, in a sense, because I'm not completely convinced that either of them are 
evil per se but oh i don't think villain would at all be correct i they make mention of it once and i think it sticks perfectly that they are dark jedi so it's not necessarily that believe in the jedi order or the principles or the teachings they're on the darker side of that but they're not sith and they're very clearly not sith they're very open to surviving i think they're more like the survivors who are jedi so they're they're probably closer to what gray jedi traditionally were yeah so I, I yeah, love yeah. that they're going in that that realm. Yeah, and and Shin is, uh, you know, probably as a reinforcement for teachings, like naturally suspicious, much like Obi Wan was mm -hmm. in Episode yep. One with Qui Gon of what's going on around them. Right, that's mm -hmm. a very good Jedi thing to do. It's just like, what's happening here? Like, does this make sense? Um, whereas Balin is following a very not cult, but like deep thread. Um, almost exactly like qui-gon did yeah exactly because qui-gon got lost in that call trying to find where was this thing coming from and it's anakin skywalker so who's balin looking for so it's fascinating what they've opened there that scene with balin holy crap like holy lord <laughs> of the rings um right right i was like this is awesome it's the first men <laughs> yeah in the thing I love about them stepping out of the galaxy like this is they mm -hmm. are entirely in a different galaxy. That isn't too strange, but it's very definitely strange compared mm -hmm. to the normal galaxy there, and at least on this planet. Um, and there is a, a, a very ancient feeling to it and very, you know, we're off the edge of the map feeling here yeah um, we are we are not in known space this is not a known world this is very much so where where they mention it where you know fairy tales come from and i i would be completely fine with all sorts of fairy tale type stuff happening in that mm -hmm. in that realm because it's allowed to um because it, it, it is you know off the edge of the map um it's most of the galaxy is more or less like explored known mm -hmm. right um the map is colored in and that just has an effect as intelligent life discovers things and places mm -hmm. their their mind around things. But this, they're off the edge. These things are allowed to happen, which is exciting because I think we talked about, not with you, but in our last episode where we talked about Ahsoka, um, I mentioned that I love Star Wars, the fact that it is allowed to get very mythological mm -hmm. about things. You're allowed to do and explore these concepts in in like pockets of things. Um, yep. And Clone Wars always dabbled in that and tried. Dave definitely in Clone Wars played with how those blended together. Whether it was Palpatine fighting um, the Zillow Beast, right? Like mm -hmm. on Coruscant, like that's where we. It's you know they started the branch where you're like, wait, what's happening? This is a little weird, but it's also cartoon. <laughs> it's fun. Um, I guess we can do this, okay? <laughs> and I think that's where he explored like what can we play around with here and there? And like solo with the giant, like maw monster mm -hmm. um, and yep. even the space whales. And that's where we're allowed to kind of touch and go with like this stuff explores, but characters, they follow those threads and they're allowed mm -hmm. to go down these rabbit holes of yep. Yoda in with the, uh, the, the like light side fates. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Or like Mortis and all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. So, it's all about the, following these threads and you're allowed to go as deep as you want with these threads. And it's nice because it's once again, like you said, the mythology of it. Well, there's, there's everything is, is bred from a place. And I think that's why I love Knights of the old Republic 
that old game because it opened all of those, all of those things that were in books, that were in tales, that were stories of stories lost to legend that we got to kind of tap into. And it's opened up this universe and this world where you can do within so much. And I think that's where Dave Filoni crushes it is by being able to create these fantastical stories that still somehow land because it's part of a mythos, part of a mythology. And why wouldn't it be true? Everything else is true. There's giant walking teddy bears who speak and growl to you. Like, you can do anything. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Once you're open into that world, you can play within that world, and they do a great job of it. And he just gets good stories. He gets kind of, if you're able, if we were able to pursue the legends of Hercules right now, if I could go mar march up Olympus and find some ruins, and then all of a sudden start speaking to Ares or something crazy. Like, that's what we get to play with and get to go to in this Star Wars universe. And one of the reasons I love it, just like you mentioned, because you can dabble in so many different areas and have fun. I mean, we have as humans. So why wouldn't they do something crazy on different planets? Yeah. And, and when Dave talks about, when Dave talks in interviews about things, it's my favorite um, because he's such a fan, right? Mm -hmm. And he's been mentored so well by George. And I, you know, I love that George just passed the, you know, baton to him. Um, not that they're actually physically as one, but it's been yeah. passed. Um, oh, it's absolutely. And, and, and Disney knows this, whether, you know, no contract could, could change it unless like they somehow forbade him from ever working for them again, but they know that's not in their best interest. No. Um, but when he talks about um, the creation of Ahsoka mm -hmm. is one of my favorite ones because, and I think this is and the things he talks about are usually you could tell very learning moments for him where they're very impactful for him and his journey. And the one that I'm thinking of is, George is like Anakin, um, you know, he starts describing Ahsoka of like the apprentice and Dave's like, Anakin didn't have a, an apprentice. And George is like, Anakin had an apprentice. And like, it just is dude. And that's what like he taught him is like, don't let the, and I think this is the problem with like parts of the fandom is they get hung up on the technical and like written limitations of like what is and isn't. Whereas like, mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, people try to tell Star Wars stories in Star Wars where it's like, actually, Star Wars is just a medium to tell any other story you want, mm -hmm. whether it's horror, like whatever the genre is, you just put it in Star Wars, play with the building blocks there. And otherwise, you're pretty not limited other yeah. than just, you know, you just have to be you just have to. And that's how George ran it for 40 years. People mm -hmm. were just like, does this look good? He's like. Yes, no, 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 good. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it. we've seen that. I mean, we've gotten Mandalorian, we've gotten the, the Pale Rider story, you know, out of Mando. Then we wind up with Boba Fett trying to do the white savior going into the <laughs> Indian nation, teaching them not to get shot by a train. Yeah. <laughs> Love trains in Star Wars. Oh, man. Trains in Star Wars are the best. However, those mag rails just work randomly throughout the desert. It's phenomenal. All the time. Go all the time. There's never a breakdown. <laughs> no. Wonderful service, those trains. Um, tapping into like planetary quantum stuff. Exactly. The like, what is that technology? Like hover? Everything hovers. Like why? Everything. There's some sort of ion technology with everything, but not really. <laughs> so. Right. 
which is fantastic. And it's a lot of fun to play with. And they give you that space. And I think that's the great thing about Star Wars is it's meant to be. And this is kind of the Hamilton Jeffersonian strict constructionalist versus loose constructionalist. I've always been a loose constructionalist. I think that the world is open to allow for more and you just need to grow and have fun in it. And Filoni's characters were so great and worthwhile. They translated so easily into such a fantastic series that we got with Ahsoka while still also continuing to grow and build more characters. You know, we're going back with Sabine now and we're getting her perspective. We're getting more of Hera. We get more backstory of Mon Mothma a little mm -hmm. bit and what she was like ruling. You know, we get further backstory. I love Mon Mothma, man. She was the bomb. <laughs> and especially like, in Andor. She's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, like she was always just like you knew like her shit didn't stink. Like, oh, she's important. Like in the original cool. trilogy. And then turn yeah. around Andor, it's like, can I get another Mon Mothma scene, please? Oh, this right? episode is all Mon Mothma. Yes. Yeah, it Let's was go. awesome. It's so much better than what I would go flip on in Clone Wars and be like, oh, Padme. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was where they really fell down, man. They made that they tried to be like, OK, so this is what it's like to govern in the old Republic. And it sucks. Like, really, they could have just said that and just cut all those episodes up. Yeah. Yeah, we get a lot of a lot of Padme running around constantly like trying to uphold rules that she wants to exist but don't actually exist kind of thing um right and that was one one of the things i saw someone complaining about like Hera in this was that she is she's surprised that she's trying to get court-martialed for an unsanctioned mission where she lost three x-wings three people died um and she has nothing to say for it and she's surprised like Come on, Hera, like rule follower. Um, yeah, you should know better. You're the you, ghost you, crew. <laughs> like you're you're a rebel, sure, and you follow the rules of the rebels, but you're not good at governance, and that's fine. Right. But I mean, she always has that horseshoe. There's always someone who see C three PO style who can save her. Yeah, love three PO. I love three PO. It would have been Leia. Well, I would have loved to have seen Leia. That would have been busy. wonderful. Yeah. But I, they're probably getting scared to do CGI because. Like, oh, no, I wouldn't even ask for CGI. I'd say just no. recast her at this point. Like we know yeah, we know it's know. Carrie Fisher, you know, just just put in Billy Lord for the five minutes and let's just get it done. And we're good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the hesitation on recasting characters is. I don't know if like there's a bad taste from Solo, um, yeah. even though it's a younger Han Solo. Nothing wrong with that. Hmm. So. I don't, I don't know why. They don't well, Chewbacca's fur him. didn't look quite the same. All right. <laughs> his, his musculature was a little off. <laughs> a little off. <laughs> a little scrawny, Chewie. Just um, little, little bits. Like, come on, Chewie. Get, get over this whole I was incarcerated thing and let's move it along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They, could, they, they definitely need to take that step forward and recast mm -hmm. them. And we're fine. We'd be, we'd be I able to survive. I mean, we're we're going to be okay. They're going to have to, unfortunately, recast Balaam's skull because we have too much of his story that we absolutely have to get. You just cannot end with, like, Frodo overlooking Mordor and just be like, yep, we're done with that. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been like if the boats pulled up in between the two statues pointing out, for, and they've been like, hey, they're the old kings, and then credits, done. Credits. There's your Lord of the Rings. <laughs>
you just follow everyone else. It's just it's just the third movie, but with no Frodo Sam, and it's just None. like you see you see Mount Doom blow up, and it's just inferred that they 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 did the thing. You pretty much got it at that point. In fact, it's actually just someone sitting on top of these lords, these old king statues, watching everything happen around them, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, these were the Lord of the Rings," and then it cuts credits. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was so fantastic. But yeah, they're gonna just gonna have to bite the bolt there and just recast them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, bless that person, please. You know, good luck. Um, you got you got a lot of big, large shoes to fill there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just want we want to see the story though, right? We're not, we need the story. About how well those shoes are filled? Just give us the story now. Find someone of a like a similar build. Have him find a mask. And that's part uh, of the power. And then he's just wearing a mask and we're fine. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Just do a little CGI mm-hmm. on him. And like he just walks down and like he's like, oh, look at this. That's it. And then bah, he takes over and it's over. There it is. Whoever the guy is, that's the new Ray Stevenson, folks. <laughs> there we go. Got him. So do you think um obviously it's very convenient that there's a whole nother galaxy now. Mm-hmm. And does Ahsoka and Sabine ever return? Like that's an easy out for those two characters when it comes to where have they been? Where are they yeah. now? Yeah, it could Wait, be. And nope, we're good. I was just thinking about Mando continuation, but nope, this is all after Mando. Yeah, yeah, this is all after Mando. And in fact, we could get that because this could be Ahsoka. The movie is actually just her dealing with stuff on, and Balin, and that might focus in that galaxy on that planet they're in. Right. And then in Peridium and then we turn the other side and Andor, well, not Andor, sorry, um, have whatever next story is coming up. Focus on what they do back up back home. Someone else. That's what Filoni just now stays in this new galaxy and someone else can just do a Thrawn trilogy. Yep. F- um, Favreau can do the, the Thrawn. Favreau. Trilogy. Perfect. And then Filoni would just like hang out, but he's like. I'm going to work on this other stuff over in this new galaxy I made. <laughs> right? Well, because Mandalorian season four could be all about the battle with Thrawn. Ah. And this new encroachment, this new thing that's a- upon us. And that leads to the three-part movie series. And then the single movie series for Ahsoka is just her dealing with the su- ultimate power. And in the end, she attains it and is able to transport them wherever they need to go. I think Mando accidentally hook, hitches a ride on a pergol and just ends up in that galaxy. He's like, what the? That would be awesome. He just shows up with the baby and he's like, uh, I guess we're doing this. That would be, that would be, I, at this point, I would be fine with that trope of just Grogu and Mando just arriving in some situation that they yep. don't have anything to do with, but we're here. Um, I'm not, we're not happy about it, but we're here. Uh, the consistent fish out of water. <laughs> like, yeah. we've never nailed it, so here we go. Let's keep going. <laughs> Mando's just like, damn it. I was really <laughs> trying to retire. All of a sudden, Mando eerily turns into some sort of combination of, like, Quantum Leap and Gunsmoke. Where he's <laughs> just popping to the wrong thing, but always solve it with guns. All right. <laughs> yep. That's right. Oh, man. And, um... <clears throat> This was actually a nice criticism because someone was like, it, it, not criticism. It was just making it funny once again of the, of the sequels, but you know how mm-hmm. they did like somehow um, Palpatine returned 
Yeah. It's like, why do we need a whole series about this? Couldn't they've just been like somehow Thrawn returned? <laughs> <laughs> I I completely see that actually. Yeah. We could have gone with that. If, I mean, it's the same thing. They Mandalorian has been used so often to fix what was wrong in the sequels, like Moff Gideon having the clones of himself. And yeah. it's like, oh, okay, so you're saying cloning technology was kind of common after the Empire wiped Kamino and basically took all of that well, information. Bad Batch, too. Yep. Bad Batch did that, too. Yep. So Filoni's all over this, man. Yeah. <laughs> He's taken every angle of it. <laughs> He's like, I got this covered. We can fix it. He's like, it's easy, guys. Yep. But just have a good wrong. story. <laughs> just have a good story. And long as it kind of like loosely touches everything it needs to or doesn't, mm-hmm. like just that's the other cool thing is like Balin Skull, like he's kind of like a loose thread. Like he doesn't have, he he is so new. And so is Morgan Elspeth. Like they only mm-hmm. need to touch what is necessary. They have no yeah. existing. And it's a great example that you can introduce very brand new characters without much need to retroactively thread them to something right mm-hmm. we don't need to say oh yeah balin was dooku's apprentice or you know whatever like you don't they don't have to do that with that like just right. let him be um brand new like morgan, morgan elsbeth i don't think there's anything more on her other than like her appearance in mando and then no ahsoka and that's fine and she's just one of the random night sisters because i think they play that well too <clears throat> is the idea that of the Night Sisters, there's like what seven left, because the Empire realized what a threat they were, so they glassed the planet and wiped out the women because those were the ones with all the power. So Morgan Elsbeth would naturally have to kind of be an edge warlord and a fringe fringe warlord. Sorry, niche. yeah, niche, niche real edge. niche, <laughs> real niche, real Nietzsche, a regular Superman over here. <laughs> <laughs> what do you bring to the table? Magic, um, literal. Green smoke magic. Okay, you're in. Yeah, we'll definitely get you hired. <laughs> when can you start? Can you give orders to stormtroopers. Yes. Awesome. Can you I raise can the resurrect- dead? Yes. Wow. Okay. Did not see that coming. We're definitely going to need that. That'll be usable. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, and I saw um, um, Tim. I can't. Mike calls him Tim Bicycle because he can't say his last name. <laughs> He'll but love our that. Boy, our boy, yeah, he's he already knows it. He brought it right up to him. Um, but from the FSS podcast, um, mm-hmm. he has an article out, and uh, he threw out like one of the bad notes on Ahsoka was the gunships that did no gunning. It was just drop ships that just you know troop carriers. Um, yeah, you know, fair. I didn't pick up on that, but I was like, yeah, it's true. Um, and I guess people had like high hopes for those stormtroopers. I mm-hmm. didn't have any hopes, and maybe that's just like the way I am about things. I was like, okay, yeah, they're just kind of like shot fodder. Like, just let them kind of like die. I didn't expect them to like beat up Sabine, Ahsoka, right? Ezra. I didn't. Ex- did anyone else expect this? I, I think I loved it because it was that whole idea that, of course, Thrawn's forces and only the ones who had survived would be that much stronger. And the yeah. fact that they have the whole uh, Japanese uh, ceramic fix, uh, fixing everything with the gold flex and having that all throughout their uniforms, having that all throughout their armor, in fact, having it all throughout the Star Destroyer itself, the actual Chimera has all of that like fixed with gold was so rad. 
and getting all those red sashes as well. All those red sashes to fix all of those parts on their stormtrooper armor tells you how much damage they've gone through. Yeah. So, and the idea that this one guy doesn't have any damage, he's he's pretty great. He's pretty beast. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to be like, but I can't wait to see Amos in action. I know. My boy. Everyone's West boy. Chatham, man. He's great. He's, he's of course, he's that guy. <laughs> yeah. And I like to, um, that's a cool like thing about Thrawn is he isn't, his character, he's not cold in Calcul. He's not mm-hmm. like Tarkin. Tarkin would be like, no, no, no painting the ship. No, uh, you know, customizing your armor, like get out of here. It was no morale. It was cold and to the level. He was the numbers guy. Yeah. Yeah. Thrawn's like necessary. Make, Mm -hmm. let them paint. Yeah. If they want to take some dye and like paint some cool symbols on the underside of the star destroyer, looks rad. Just make it blue. Um, (laughs) It's so true. And that's kind of the cool part that, that tells on his story and, and the Chiss people in general, because they're very much so, a high, elegant, intelligent, you know, exceptionally high-minded people. Yeah. So they battle, and they are also cold and calculating, but they're treacherous. And the treachery is what makes the Chiss so great, because they'll smile at you one day, but then in order to advance, if they need to kill you, if you're in their way, they, they just do it. And high society looks well upon it. They're like, oh, good job. Yeah. Good job. You know? Nice. <laughs> yeah, try that one more time. Jordan, what's up, buddy? Jordan says, oh. in the CU, I would, I would have to come on the show tonight, but wouldn't let me on. Hopefully, we can hang out soon. That's a lie. I would let <laughs> on the show anytime, any place. All the time, Jordan. We love All you so time. much, brother. We met over a battle of the Jokers, and <laughs> yeah, he did. He did want me to say Jared Leto says hi. Um, <sighs> bad taste in your mouth. Wash it out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take my Heath Ledger sweat right there. Well, that just sounds terrible. I'm not going to die. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> We're fine. It's okay. That wasn't. No. I don't want to go that big. No foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now you took a swig. Yeah. Uh, which one of Here us is go. on the Ledger swig? I don't know. <laughs> Jordan. Yeah, definitely Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> um. But yeah, one of the I, that's one of the things I think is great with Thrawn is showing that difference that he has from Tarkin and what he brought to the to the table as a Grand Admiral versus a Grand Moth. And I think it's nice that they have those distinctions between the two. And they each character shows that and has shown that with the very little they've been given, because neither character has an extensive amount of screen time. Right. I think Tarkin might. No, I think Thrawn and Rebels might have more than Tarkin in uh, Clone Wars. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Tarkin, Tarkin's usually he's kind of like a runner up to Padme when it comes to just like throwing throwing <laughs> him in and like as a hook to like here's another character we're gonna get a little bit more story on that isn't necessary um, at all. We we know who Grandma Tarkin is out the gate. He is yeah. the cold, calculating guy who will sacrifice to for success. It doesn't matter. He'll do what it takes to win, and he'll get it done. Yeah, and it's just like I I just have. I did not care for, um, oh, here's Tarkin as a, as a younger self. Mm-hmm. Like he was nicer and no, you can't. No, he out. wasn't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he sucked. He sucks all the time. He's just a, a cold, bad guy. Like, And that's a good thing. You can have a one dimensional cold, bad guy. That's fine. Yeah. I'm fine with that. 
and and that's the thing too is like attempts to paint him in a different light but at the end of the episode he is exactly in the light he should be yep i knew that thank you um <laughs> yeah I, I i see that thank you uh, oh padme is gonna again. go yeah here's padme now going back to talk to another random rogue planet to try to avoid them from becoming separatists it's like are you supposed to represent naboo like what about naboo <laughs> what about you have two sets of people you're just going to leave it all with Jar Jar? Okay. It's like that, that Tales of the Jedi episode where Dooku and Qui-Gon are trying to um, settle that kidnapping of the yeah. of the senator's son. Um, mm-hmm. They were disgruntled people because the senator was, you know, he was off making money and stuff. Not that Padme yeah. didn't not do that, but I'm sure she definitely did because she wasn't not poor. I mean, she was working with kings and queens and emperors yeah. and empresses and whatever weird titles everybody else had on other planets. So, yeah. Yeah, she was yeah. she got a little little kickback. Yeah. But like so like were her campaigns if she got voted in, I assume she did. But it, were her campaigns campaigns like I am working on the meta. The most meta like good of the galaxy, how that impacts you day to day, my good Nabooian folk do not mind. Nary you worry yourself with it. Well, I think it's, they almost made it seem like it was something that the queen had to select. Yeah. Like the queen selected the senators in Naboo specifically. I don't know how the rest of anyone else did it. Cause who knows how the trade federation even stayed all the same people still the same viceroy. Come on, get out of here. What are you doing? They got a new viceroy. New got kicked out, I think. But like, yeah, after, (laughs) You know, the Clone Wars began, sure, when he's already officially a separatist. <laughs> yeah. I think I think on the Republic, yeah, on the Republic side, they had new ones for mm-hmm. the Federation. And then, but like, news just like, all right, separatists. Yeah. What a weird, what a weird thing. It was. It was foreshadowing. When are we going to get our, our senators for our corporations? Oh, super officially. excited. Can't wait. They wouldn't do that because it would just blow the cover because they already exist, probably. Um, they're already there. They just have to take... They, we just need them to start wearing the patches on their blazers yep. so we know who's in control of which one. Be like, oh, you're a Nestle guy. All right, yeah. cool. Nestle. <laughs> Big coca. <laughs> yeah, watch out for those guys. <laughs> um, now Someone's that a bridge and tunnel crew. Yeah. Now that we have... um. A live action Thrawn. Um, do you think we'll get reuse of Mickelson in Empire era? Because he's around all throughout the Empire. Like mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't not there. Um, if we'll ever get him again in a in a retro fashion. It'll be interesting if we see a retro version of that. If it's if it's functionally wise, because if yeah. we're gonna do that. He's going to have to go in place of of Moff Tarkin because obviously the use of AI and CGI has been such an issue right now, and obviously you know we still have strikes over it <clears throat> due to that touchiness. I don't think we'll see Moff Tarkin again, but I could absolutely see now using Lars Mikkelsen in place of that. Now, I think it's perfect because they were so similar. I mean, they're the top two guys. The only people that were on their level was was Vader. That's it. And Vader was even a little above them. So are they equivalents? Yes. Yeah. Grand Grand think. Yeah. So think Grand Admiral, think him at Navy and then Moff, think him Army. 
So yeah. that was, but they were like the joint chiefs. They were, the, those were the top two that you had. Yeah. Wait, so in Bad Batch, was Thrawn in Bad Batch? I don't remember. Honestly, I'm trying to remember. I've been trying to like flip through they, the Rolodex. Because <laughs> they, they, they had that, that meeting on that planet mm-hmm. in that Citadel. Mm-hmm. And they at least made mention of them. And I know they mentioned yeah. them in, um, in Mando. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think. Because, yeah, there's definitely places that stick them in there. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Andor. Bad for sure. Andor would be great. Andor. Bad Batch would be awesome. Um, you could have him in. Gosh, you could throw him in almost anything because he's throughout the empirical reign. I mean, yeah. he is the massive part of why they're victorious. When does he come into the empire? So he was, yeah. So Thrawn was one of those guys who wanted to join the the empire willingly when it became the empire, yeah. because the Chiss he just wanted to protect his planet and his people. That's all he cared about. His whole thing was just to have stability and peace in the galaxy, so that way he could go back and be like, "Hey, everybody, I'm the best." And the the Chiss people pretty much they're very xenophobic. They don't like to go out. They don't want to be seen by other people. They live their own world. They're higher, smarter, better than everyone else. And that's kind of the beauty is Thrawn is that way, but he understands that he can use this as an opportunity to take over the entire galaxy and then kind of come back as the conquering hero to Chiss, which is really the whole thing to just rub it in his people's faces. Yeah, and so. he, doesn't need, he doesn't need the Empire sticking their nose in, into Chiss regions as anyone who controlled the entire galaxy would. Exactly. So he's able to kind of get that separation and get that for his people. So that's his driving cause. That's all he's about. That's all he's in it for. So he doesn't care. Sacrifices will be made. I mean, the coffins at the end of this, this series showed that. That he's like, you didn't just die. You will be resurrected and brought again. And it's the entire Empire army is now going to be zombies. How exciting is that? Who doesn't want see, zombies? <laughs> yeah, see, dude has like no rules. He's like, ah, oh, nice sister magic. This is interesting. This could be useful. Mm-hmm. I like this. Everything I, is useful I, to him. Yeah. Do do I agree? Do I do this in my free time? Hell no. Um, <laughs> but glad you guys can do it. Um, I would love to see Mandalorian wind up on Chiss. Hmm. Yeah, really just thinking be. of like, where's something cool in the galaxy? We need just one more like 30 minutes of, ah, send Mando and Grogu there. They will they will do just fine. Yep, and that way we can get a little more backstory on Thrawn and find out who he is and what he's about and why he's driven this way. Yeah. Because I don't really remember getting much of that in Rebels. Uh, yeah, definitely not. You, uh. you, all that comes from the books you have. Yeah. Thrawn is such a book character. Um, yeah. In, in terms of like and as establishing him and understanding mm-hmm. him otherwise like i can see how that could be a little bit uh, i mean he really kind of has a vader essence to like general mm-hmm. audiences right because especially yeah. now general general audiences not just like because you got like live action well, well you got the you got the trilogies that's like super general mm-hmm. live action animated books yep. um and you really have to go all the way back into the books to really know anything deeper about Thrawn. Otherwise, he's kind of like Vader in Episode Four, like yeah, oh, bad guy. He's cold, tactical, um, cool. <laughs> Where'd he come from? I don't know. No, no idea. It's just a big blue guy with red eyes. Isn't he terrifying? <laughs> blue. Yeah, man. Those be always be wary of the blue guys. 
Yeah. Never trust the blue guys. Don't Brad be like Captain Kurt. Is yeah. he a vampire? Could be space vampire. Space vampires. They're mm-hmm. blue, not necessarily pale like they are on Earth. They are blue because they are in space. Why? Uh, I thought the ones on Earth were shiny. It depends. <laughs> pale. So pale so, they shine. It's Washington State. That's just their area. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 yeah, that's the offshoot. Our American breed of homegrown American breed vampires that, you know, are yeah. shiny. They're super shiny. As opposed to blue guys because of the moon. Space. I'm gonna go with that. Blue. So yeah, that works. Blue elements in it too, with like the star map and all that kind of stuff. So blue makes me sad, and when I see the admiral, I get sad. Yeah. Yeah. He's not really. He's not fun. No. He's cool, but not fun. Yeah. Yeah. He's very cool, but I don't know if I'd want to go to a party with him. No. No. He's usually <laughs> plotting something. Most of the time. <laughs> Okay, so one thing I did not remember at all from Rebels, and this apparently is the thread, once again, pulling this from Tim's article, is uh, kind of like the the small Kanan moments and Sabine moments where he was trying to coach her out of her shell, if you will, right? And there, those are the threads that suggest that she could be a Jedi someday. Mm-hmm. Um Though, how quickly she was able to just, like, eh, practice with a cup. Hasn't had a lot of time to do her training, unless she's done a lot of training in her cell. Because um, mm-hmm. I thought that was a weird bit of dialogue where she's like, you've been keeping up with your training? Was she referencing, like, for the past 10 years? Or is she referencing in the past, like, 10 hours? Because that's, like, all the time that's really passed for her to do True. Her training. Yeah, when she's uh, in the purgle. Well, yeah, because we're not sure how long that space wheel travel is. True. And Balin does give the opportunity of like, hey, how's your training going? This is a good time for reflection. (laughs) You know, what you ought to do is just be grateful you have this time. I love his reactions to everything. Anytime someone speaks to him, he's like, silly idiot. (laughs) I have something wise to say. Yeah, brilliant. But yeah, um, I thought her force push was pretty intense. um, Mm -hmm. That she kind of just like picked that up. But you know, maybe it's just latent. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm a fan of latent powers. Like it's a thing. It's established. So not everyone yep. has to be a Mary Sue just because they can learn something really quickly. It's just exactly. latent abilities. Happens in Dragon Ball Z all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they literally have characters that just surface your latent abilities, and then boom, you can kick ass now. And also, that's someone who you know has trained with Jedi for Long time. 14, 14 years of her life. Yeah, she was surrounded or worked with Jedi in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so. and the lightsaber thing is completely in character because Mandalorians are just weapons masters. Like, they can just wield whatever. That's the beauty of every fight scene. And I want to make sure the statement is put out there into the world. These fight scenes are perfect. These fight oh. scenes are the epitome of what these characters are. Mandalorians are trained with their armor to become one with their armor. And the way the actress pulls off playing Sabine Wren is perfect. The fact that she goes for blasters sometimes first. The fact that she holds and wields her saber the same way she would a vibroblade. Yeah. You know, it's all very similar. And she has to work on the forms to get those right. She has to work to actually try to do the other force powers. And using this lightsaber without cutting herself. Which <laughs> she's pretty smooth hey. with. Yeah. Eh. 
<laughs> Luckily, it's Besker Steel, so she can smack it a few times. <laughs> yeah, you can know. Lightsabers aren't <laughs> as potent as they used to be. Exactly. She's she's just on a low hum. But uh, that was that was one Blue of the Ang great needs things. To explain that he need he they need to add some mm-hmm. Ang dialogue that's like, ah, oh, you use those parts, so it's a little less effective. Whereas like <laughs> Qui Gon and like the Jedi Order, they use like top notch materials and they can just yep. slice through anything. Yeah, Shin, you're you're a little slow end. <laughs> yeah, Shin's orange blade, not that great. You know, you, mm. you could get stabbed by it and live, no big deal. <laughs> You'll be Maybe fine. That's it just. It. It could be a different style, or maybe there's. It's, it's also where you get stabbed because I had to rewatch episode yeah, one, and that's why it's off-center. right there because I was like, "Wait a minute, Qui Gon got stabbed exactly there too." So what's going on here? But no, in fact, they did not. It's left of center. Left of center. Yep. yep. They're kind of like getting shot, but mm-hmm. then again, I don't know. I see, I see these stormtroopers. I know the armor is supposed to be like shrapnel. Like that's why clones had it. It was more so for explosive. Mm-hmm. protection um but man blasters they take people down instantly yeah lightsabers do not interesting interesting how that sometimes. works Depends sometimes who you are yeah hey you know that's the joy of star wars yep. you have to suspend every later. point of disbelief and just hope that someone in 10 to 25 years will have uh, that piece of the story to put in there to fix that hole or that's our job. We just fix it ourselves in our heads. There you go. That's what the brain's for. They right left now, I'm just it. Saying, Huang's got some knowledge to where he's he's like, duh. If you use the wrong materials, it's not going to be as strong. Exactly. So, that was they had to delete that scene. Yeah. They didn't want to feel like they were just spoon feeding us. Yeah. <laughs> Which Hu Yang, by the way, is amazing. I love a thousand-year-old sassy <laughs> droid. They're my favorite. Sassy droids are the best. <laughs> And I, I like even though he his moment of uh okay I was a little wrong where he's like mm-hmm. telling Ezra is like what are you doing he's like oh Kanan's apprentice got it makes total sense mm-hmm. now here you go you need this yep. piece unorthodox goofball which is interesting because Balin had like the only saber ever built the way he built his saber and like yeah. he was able to identify it that way so it's very interesting. Um, how sabers are built apparently like it's way mm-hmm. deep into it yeah it's it's kind of that whole matter of how you build it the way you build it what are what do you focus on as you're building it what is your big thing that you want are you about the grip are you about your pommel are you about your switch what and what order do you put it in so it's very rad the the hu yang level of i of course i know this that's how i identify you by by your lightsaber because that's who you are and it is great that balin has one of what maybe three of the last sets of actual, you know, Jedi built mm. temple built sabers. Temple built sabers. Yeah, his be temple built. Luke's Ahsoka's yep. are well. Uh, so one of Ahsoka's is. <laughs> she lost. Well, now. Now. Um, <laughs> well, but I don't know. Anakin, are those are those the same ones Anakin gave her? From Clone they, Wars season seven. They really? actually look like they were. Yeah, four. I think. Uh, they look like they've been modded since. Yeah. So they're sure. probably not. Yeah. And she, she doesn't, doesn't have a big attachment to those anyways. Yeah. She's so you really only have <clears throat> Balin, Luke, Obi-Wan. That's about it. Because even Vader's, well, it was temple built, but, you know, post-temple. <laughs> <laughs> 
we'll we'll give that one a pass. That one kind of counts. Um, <laughs> there he did. He built it around the corpses, but I mean, it was in the temple. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I would even count Palpatine's as like <clears throat> order Sith order built, right? You know, yeah. Palpatine, big deal. He liked his gold lightsaber, that tiny little one. He's precise. like. Well, when you need to put it in your purse or just have it up your sleeve, it's real nice and convenient to have it right here. <laughs> there is, that's definitely Palpatine's, like, I'm home for the weekend voice. Um, yeah. friends. Oh, I no longer have to talk like this. Hey, y'all, how you doing? All right, so I got this little feller. <laughs> Look at this, ain't so cute. Doggone. Got, got his little sun hat on. He's going out for a little little tea time in the country, Naboo. A little stroll Naboo, you know, got to go see them tick cows with some childhood friends that he did not murder like his family um all one of them yep (laughs) i I really encourage everyone to go read darth plagueis or listen to that book favorite book hands down love it i'll have to check it out oh it's it's wild it's it's basically it's plagueis but it's palpatine's backstory nice that's awesome from some dark dark places i believe it. It, it he's kind of what what is it You've got, oh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, um, mm-hmm. when they're on the boat, and he's like, you, though, you got, like, this all on your own. All the rest of them, like, they're sons of just rich people in the family, but you you did this all on your own, like, uh, became a little scumbag. That's kind of, that's Shiv. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, he got there all on his dark side own, and it's, it's very dark. Um, yeah, that's the way you do it, it man. Yeah, and... Um, you know, like the word emancipated when you become emancipated mm-hmm. as like a person or anything like that. Um, that book puts like a new light on the idea of emancipation, like truly an emancipated being that is Palpatine. It's intense. Well, that's horrifying and exciting. <laughs> yes. Go listen to that book. It's really good. Okay. That's definitely going to be on there. I'm, as soon as I finish the High Republic series, I'm actually reading that right now. Love I'm it. not. It, 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 there's like comics, there's books, there's a lot going on there in, yeah. the, in the 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 written world when it comes mm-hmm. to those. Are you enjoying yeah, it? Yeah, I'm loving it. So there's two in the comic books that I'm reading right now. It's the Old Republic and then the Old Republic, the Halcyon Legacy. And love them. Absolutely love them. I, I'm a huge fan of what they're doing and where they're taking the characters. And it also harkens back to just uh, opening the doors that Knights of the Old Republic opened up. And allowing for all these different stories to be told and all the back lot and the back life. And uh, I, I've i always enjoyed that aspect of it. I like the Ula Keldroma, you know, was always my favorite story of any of the Jedi. The idea that someone could rise as fast as he did, fall in love, have a baby, turn to the dark side, <laughs> wipe out his best friends, and then all of a sudden go, you know what? This was a bad idea. My bad. <laughs> It gives a little more credence to the Vader story and you can understand how Anakin could have turned because if someone like Keldroma could turn forward and reverse, then it makes sense. You know, it allows yeah. for Darth Vader's story to be a really good redemption story. Yeah. So so you, it is certainly like the successor to Old Republic. Like it yes. has all the right tones and yes. stories yes know. they actually hit the right beats they they give you that world that's very lived in and you're confident and comfortable going right into it and recognizing a few masters like of course Seattle would be that old <laughs> of course yeah. Seattle's back there come on <laughs> yeah little, little threads 
Um, mm-hmm. Well, I guess I guess I've seen um, Jedi Tales, like the kids show. On oh Disney. man, my son watches some okay. episodes of that. Um, you know, Yoda's in it. Nothing super contextual, but it's High Republic era, so mm-hmm. um, it counts, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the um, Jedi Tales that came out because you get uh you get that Dooku line yeah. with Qui-Gon and that whole story. And I was a yeah. big fan of obviously the Ahsoka stuff. Um, I do want to touch on what this series did fantastically well was they gave Hayden Christensen's Anakin the complete story. They filled in what I've wanted from the prequels and what I was hoping to get. And we didn't, I don't think any of us did. And we can say that was the quality of the acting, which a lot of people have complained about for that throughout the years. I was one of them. I think it was more the quality of directing. I think he had poor direction and that's, he was young and he played a decent character. Well, he, but he needed to play a legend. Perfect. And we all nailed him for not. And I think this, this series uh, specifically one episode gave him everything. It, it Obi-Wan helped elevate him a little more, kind of push, kind of buoy that up. It teed it up for Ahsoka to knock it out of the park. And I love the finale for her to say, for that moment to say he was a good master because yeah. he was, you know, Anakin didn't okay. deserve to be used the way he was used the whole time. And it was unfortunate. It's sad to see how it all worked out for him. But this gave him that threat of, nah, he was a good guy who just got perverted and subverted and used. And it's it's unfortunate. But Hayden Christensen really came through strong in this. So good. So good, man. So good. Those lightsaber battles. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And again, with like the acting, like obviously Hayden, veteran of it. But... <laughs> Like you can tell that like he's watched Clone Wars and like he mm-hmm. knows the character and like he can he can shift through the tonage of when that char- what that character should be in each era because he's mm-hmm. played him as Vader right and Obi Wan right. like um, he's obviously played the young version of himself mm-hmm. which I'm fine with like that that's part of the issue is in terms of acting and like especially Episode Two. Um, it's fine. I mean, he was like 17. He, yeah. he started training when he was 11. When I was 17, I was a kind of jackass like that who would make punk comments and give weird yeah. attitude. Absolutely. And he and wasn't was raised terrible. in the temple. Exactly. He wasn't raised in the temple, and he's obviously no good at hitting on women or talking to them. So, of course, he would be uncomfortable and awkward and weird. Yeah. You know? It all fits. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, you know, he's got this this edge against obi-wan because obi-wan's mm-hmm. always riding his ass like any anyone would ride a teenager for you know don't lose your freaking lightsaber dude like come on right. the simple stuff like it's yep. easy for parents obi-wan to get like that mm-hmm. um so I, I don't have an issue with that and i never really have um mm-hmm. but you know once again like as fans we can compartmentalize it to where mm-hmm. this is why and it's fine mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be i guess for people who can't separate it and they have this like idealistic version of like it should be perfect it must be like this otherwise it's nothing to me and i think you know episode three did that episode three showed some really poor direction episode two just wasn't great like there was no chemistry between them and i'm I'm speaking specifically about hayden christensen here he 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 did what he needed to do but it made it weird in the movie 
You know what I mean? It didn't mm -hmm. quite fit and kept breaking up the, the tone. Uh, episode three, he was really good. But once again, that story and then not having that relationship that you felt comfortable or confident with her in kind of never, it, it just never translated to enough to become Vader. You know what I mean? Like out of yeah, everything, yeah. it just, it never quite hit the beats for me. Yeah. But this, in one episode, he goes through the entirety of who he was and we see it and it's all done through their fighting style and the makeup that they do when he turns to the Vader and I'm like, oh man. And then he's got the melted eye Vader and I'm like, oh no. And he's just brutal. And that great line with just, uh, oh, what is it? You lack conviction and yeah. just hammer swings. And it's like, oh, that would be terrifying. That's what's under yeah. that visage. That's what's underneath there. That I don't know which one's scarier now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that, and that's terrifying for Ahsoka. Like she's really kind of rolling through her her demons on there. And now mm -hmm. I'm fairly certain with no kind of like contextual evidence that that was actually um force projection other than the end the end of ahsoka yeah kind of cements that not necessarily was that a dream of ahsoka's or was that actually um anakin in the world between worlds yeah I mean, i'm they... thinking yeah i'm thinking it's anakin in the world between worlds i think yeah. that is his way of connecting the same way that obi-wan was connecting with qui-gon at some point that obi-wan and yoda both connected with luke They've obviously shown that there's a way to get there and you can meditate there. Um, and she, you know, was on a near-death experience. So that's similar to a meditation, as some people have discussed, that you've reached that level. So why wouldn't that be? And and I love the idea of it being him because it is still, hey, you you still have more lessons. Like, I'm your master. I will always be here. He, he makes all those illusions and all those comments that definitely put you in that point of, oh, this is him. Like, yeah, this right. is 100% him. And at the end, him coming to terms with who he was and what he did. Because he's already had to come to terms. If he didn't come to terms with who he was and what he did, he never would have projected into the Force. Yeah. Just by sheer power. It was because he overcame. Because he turned and saw himself at the end. And obviously, he wants to still be there for Ahsoka. For as much responsibility as he feels for Luke. And that was enough to get him to turn back to the light side. He obviously still feels that for Ahsoka. And and they touch on that from his perspective and giving that from her perspective to finally come around and say he was a good master. I mean, yeah. she was on trial at one point and no one believed her. No one had her back except her master. You know, even Plo Koon, who was obviously the best of all the masters, <laughs> will die on this hill. He he even kind of turned his back, but Anakin never did, and I think that was the great part. The look, great part look, that they showed. Very reluctantly turned his back, though. Well, look, he was very he did, sad about it. He was, and he didn't even one hundred percent agree with it. But he was part of what he had to do, being a master and on the council. That was the decision. Yeah, yeah. The 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 Jedi Order. That's like a whole, man. That's a whole topic, like full of hubris and failures all the way up and down. Which it's like it's so great that when they show you this, you feel like you want to root for them. But by episode two, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of seem like jerks. <laughs> yeah, there's something wrong there. Palpatine. Yeah, you make a good point too. Like, um, like Anakin for sure doesn't deny. Vader denied 
the part of him that was Anakin. Yep. Anakin does not deny the part of him that was Vader. Um, yep. He accepts wholly that that was a part of him, part of his life, who he was, who he became. Ties back to the Mortis stuff, obviously. Um, but and, and he knows it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's how he projected out. Yep, and he was able to come through with that. <clears throat> you know, because that happens like you just brought up on Mortis with the, the dad and the son trying to sway him to the dark side, but also try to keep him to be the balance. But it's so easy to be swayed. And then we get Balin standing on the finger of daddy, daddy Mortis, the one of the ones. And it's really neat that, did you notice that the, the girl, the daughter, because there's three statues and the daughter is crumbled. And the daughter is supposed to be the physical representation of the light side. Right. So it's this idea that maybe the light side really has crumbled from the very core. Yeah. Or it, it did a long time ago. Either, mm-hmm. you know, either that. I, I would kind of see that more as a projection of what happened in that galaxy. Yeah. Um, versus no, yeah. Like a, a reaction to what has happened elsewhere. That's um, true. That's a very good point. So maybe Balin is being pulled towards the temple of mortis maybe there who knows what we don't have i'm so excited to find out yeah i know <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's gonna be so cool um, mm. so especially to like bring that into live action but actually then make it a physical place in this distant galaxy um yeah role. i don't quite understand if it like not like does it all originate from there we know the death you know uh the night sisters come mm-hmm. from this place, but they yep. really hold Dathomir dear to them, even these night sisters. Well, with the because Dathomir was a place where a lot of their people were born, not just the order. Whereas this place is where the order was born. Same with the Jedi. Nobody knows of these, they've turned into fairy tales for the night sisters as well. You know, these are the stories you tell of beginning at the beginning, you know, and probably where at one time the Jedi and night sisters fought alongside each other, maybe worked together. Maybe we're just existing there until one day they didn't. And there's a lot of cool backstory to be had there because in our galaxy, the the known galaxy, um, they don't. They had a war, like a very clear war. And then they also had different sides taking between the Empire and the Republic. So we get to see a lot of that. And I'm excited to see what they're going to do with that combination of once again, we have very few Night Sisters, which means there's very strong power. There's very powerful users. Yeah. Same with the Force users. The few that are attuned and able to function within this world are like the super users now. Yeah. I mean, Yoda's a thousand times more powerful than he was when there was an entire council in a school of thousands of Jedi. So yeah, it's kind of neat to almost get this wild magic perspective side of it. So it'll be cool to see what the sisters are running from or in such a hurry to leave by the Night Mothers. Because, I mean, the Night Mothers are there at the source of their power. Dathomir is just a great place where they feel very in touch with their power. But this is like home base. Yeah. And they want to get away. So why? It's neat. Yeah, it is cool. And then we have Warlord Shin, which will Mm. be interesting. I was going to be a warlord over these these marauders why not these cool like nomad samurai type warriors Mm -hmm. but i forget who they remind me of like in universe um or they remind me of a different species in universe um okay 
I don't know if it's like not the dog. It's uh, uh, it's what the pirate was. They remind me like under their armor would be like what the the race that the right. pirate in Clone Wars is. Okay, okay, I got you. Yeah, not the not the jowl dog. I know it's just yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. But they're they're like really wrinkled looking. Mm-hmm. Whatever they are. <laughs> but yeah, back to your other comment. Um, lights, lightsaber battles are just nonstop. Just all of them are perfect, and there are so many of them. And it's just, I like that we've had tons of shows where it's like, let's not do lightsabers. And then now here's a show where it's like, yes, everything's a lightsaber, and they're all going to be these awesome fights. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Balin has this very stoic samurai, also knight, very kind of medieval knight stance to him, or like late mm-hmm. medieval. Um, big swings, very powerful figure, and then the aggression on Ahsoka. Like, she just fights. She doesn't fight like a Jedi. She fights nope. the way Anakin trained her and mm-hmm. be a survivor. and To be a warrior. Goals. Yeah. Yep. And she is fantastic at that because at one point, I mean, when she's down to one lightsaber, that was what she was trained with. That's what she knew. Yeah. So that's home for her. And you get to see that, especially in the fight with Anakin. When she's down to one saber, they're using each other's styles and she's trying to emulate what Anakin does. But Anakin's just a little bit better. He's just a little bit better the whole way through. And then so when she's down to one saber, she goes back and does some Anakin moves and she's a little bit better now. Uh, Balin, we get to see him with that fighting style that's very similar to Anakin, what we saw during the High Republic era. You know, that was what was trained and how you did it and kind of what we got Vader to do. Is eventually because Vader obviously being mostly machine, he's limited by his movement and still really effective <laughs> to just swing with all your might. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it works. In the Clone Wars, didn't help this at all. And I mean, the order just was, you know, the order was more focused on <clears throat> passive and um, mm-hmm. deterrence and just winding conflict down. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of the lightsaber forms did not lend themselves to one on one combat, um, right? Dueling. Um, and obviously the Clone Wars, and Anakin makes that point in that episode. That was a that was a Tales, I think, right? Where um, yeah. she's training in the circle from all the yep. clones. Um, you know, she she has basically uh, an adapted form of these forms where she uses yeah. them a little differently. Um, exactly. Yep, and she does that in a big way, especially when we see her bust out her version of Form Seven which is the one that's, you know, connects you with your emotions. And we see her use that again. And it's like, all right, now she's showing it. She's actually showing in her face because that had to progress throughout the series as well. She had done that where she wasn't really doing it. She was kind of going back to that form three Obi-Wan kind of style where it's just smooth and deflecting and just flippity dip dip. So when she gets back into showing that, that expression, I think against Marak, she kind of shows it when she goes back down to one and just, single slices them with the duel it's amazing so good and the subtlety and the the skill they used in all of this for feloni to bring out such a wonderful samurai duel swords fires yeah, that style it's like watching kurosawa again we get to see that moment of this standoff and you know build the anticipation and then have this awesome epic you know five minute f- sword slinging and all of a sudden it's done in a swipe and it's so great yeah and, and yeah, that's like you said about Anakin, like he's just simply better at the same forms. And like first Marak, like Ahsoka, hands down, will always be just better than mm-hmm. every other every other 
saber wielder, right? Um, yeah. She's on par with Balin, but he's an order raised one. Um, mm-hmm. She probably can like somewhat best Luke, depending. I would like to. It'd be interesting how they would go back and forth because Luke's an interesting subject as well because he mm-hmm. is by far not order trained, but emulates the order, emulates the same teachings, but. Mm-hmm you know, whatever that term was that they threw in this series for, um, Boken. our, our Oaken, is it? Oaken, yeah. Boken, Boken B. Yeah. Our Boken. So guy. the Boken were the, the training, uh, swords that you would yeah. use the wooden training swords. So a Boken Jedi is like a, a training dummy to him. These Jedi, these wild Jedi, the ones raised in captivity, there are ways that raised in the wild. They're not yeah. the same. They're not the way that he was brought up. And he truly believes in the order, but not what happened to the order. Yeah. Which I love that. Yeah. The idea of it. Oh, what a great line. Every line. Oh, the fact that he has those one liners that, that sort of back and forth he has with Ahsoka as they're, you know, kind of circling each other and getting sizing each other up was fantastic. Yeah. And again, like, like George, George is always so in tune with like, you know, issues of the world or like mm-hmm. tropes and themes that happen in the real world. And that, that, that's that dialogue from Balin, obviously then from Dave, um, that's, that's, that just hits home so much probably for so many people is like, you know, I miss the idea of it, the mm-hmm. order, right. You could, you could, you can connect that to whatever you want to, but it connects to so many things for so many people is like, it's this thing that you can't quite grasp. Um, mm-hmm. that's the part you love about it. What it is, what it became, and the problems with it. No thanks. But yeah, there's that underlying essence of these things that we still hold dear, and he holds it very dear. Mm-hmm. And wonderfully so, because I mean that's what he was raised with. He yeah. was a youngling taken and raised the way the Jedi did, and it was flawed. But he was able to see it as that was his life. I mean, Anakin at the point he knew him was this taller than life, you know, greater, huge stories. Everyone, you know, spoke so highly of him and he got to fight alongside at one point and be like, yo, that's Anakin right there. I see him. How cool is that? You know, probably said like five words to each other in passing, but he's like, Oh man, that guy, he's, he's got it together. I bet you, I bet you he won't wipe out the younglings. (laughs) And if he does, there's probably a reason why. And that's the thing with Balin is he was willing to believe in that reason beyond. And I think they show that really well. And I'm excited for Shin. I want to see Shin the warlord. I want to see what she's got. She's now going to be their new retainer, man. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So very exciting for that. And uh, also, is she going to turn against Balin or what does she want? Kind of hopefully get to see her side of things. I feel like. You know, obviously because they use all the Lord of the Rings imagery right there. But, like, I feel like Balin's going to be very disconnected, whatever his journey is. And mm-hmm. it'll connect on the back end to yeah. probably the Shin, the more directly in, in, in touch Shin, Ahsoka, Sabine situation, which mm-hmm. is probably going to be the active um, story. And then Balin, I, I, I could see some really cool things happening with Balin, but 
almost alone, right? He mm-hmm. like a separate quest. It, every, just like when we would pan to Sam and Frodo, like they were very disconnected from everything else that was going on. But it yeah. connects back in the end. Yeah, I think that's the way it's going to play out. I think that makes the most sense. Uh, and plus, it, Balin is disconnected right now. He he doesn't care. He's not looking yeah. for whatever everyone else is. He's beyond all of these earthly things. I mean, that was him saying goodbye to Shin. You could tell he was already gone. He would almost like breathe a sigh of relief. Like, now I can focus on what I've been trying to focus on for all these years. Yeah. So, which, what a crappy thing, right? It's almost like when the kid turns 18 and you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> I've been wanting to be a nudist all this time, and I can just go do it with yeah. this giant pointy finger statue guy. Goodbye. <laughs> Later. <laughs> the statue is pointing toward the beach. <laughs> and that's where I'll be. <laughs> Retire. Um, oh, yeah. God, now I really want there to be a beach. <laughs> no, there's definitely like a, a volcano emitting light of some sort. There's a, a, yeah. mountain, a mountain emitting a beam of of tempting light to go toward. Maybe it's the last ve- um, vestige of light side, and that's what's calling him. It could be. It could be there's something deep down ingrained within him that he's trying to get over to. It could be the first tome of power yeah. that was ever written and recorded and that it somehow has some mysterious way to like if anybody in a thousand years goes didn't they figure out a thousand years ago how to like burn the ozone layer during that manhattan project to be like yes (laughs) yes yes it was not great concrete is that a thing yes it was lost (laughs) and recovered thank goodness Um, (laughs) pages burned (laughs) woohoo that's what palpatine did most of the time he was just trying to find all the all the old secrets Yep. And that's that's really what most of them do is trying to go into sort of figuring out what was it the the port the point of it. And that's why you go after Peridia because he saw Palpatine succeed doing that and pursuing that knowledge. So why wouldn't he? Yeah. Maybe doing it in his mind obviously is all anti-heroes or heroes do. Well, I'm going to be different and I'm going to go do it in a different way and it'll be way better. Seldom is. No Death Stars for me. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the other thing, too, is Balin now has experienced that. He's got to see the failures of the Empire. So much like Thrawn did, now he has, too. So he gets to go and perhaps he's seen all the enough failings of the Jedi Order that he wants to try to either bring it the correct way or what he thinks is the correct way, or he's just trying to end it all and blow it up like some sort of weird like ad just got to break the cycle yeah and that's and and like thrawn so like he's coming he just rolls back into the galaxy with like this 10 years of just like thought on like what went wrong and what do we not do again and you know the biggest thing which is sad did not carry over to the first order from him is like we do not underestimate our heroes and right they do. All they do. So, All they do. Hero underestimation. So, poor Thrawn. <laughs> we, we know we know how it ends. He does not. He does not make it that far. Neither does his teachings, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. they'll go somewhere. Um, excited to see Dathomir again, though. That was just a cool shot. Them rolling up on Dathomir and the old Star Destroyer. Yeah, and that Chimera coming up there in that nice red planet. Yeah. 
It's a terrifying planet. Why didn't why didn't why doesn't Palpatine like reach out? Be like, hey Thrawn boy, I see you're back in town. Come over to Exegol. Let's have a party. Seriously, why wouldn't you? I mean, unless he does, and we don't know, and then he just murders Thrawn. He shows back up and he's like, Hey, what plans did you have? Great lightning. <laughs> Good, thank you. <laughs> that is what I needed. <laughs> Good. Uh-huh. Good. Good. Um Ezra. <laughs> fantastic young lad there oh my gosh the actor who plays ezra crushed it crushed it absolutely crushed it man the eyes are the only thing that threw me off because those contact lenses were huge and it took me a minute to get used to his eyes like just just physically staring at his eyes i was like yeah they looked uncomfortable they're real big but awesome (laughs) yeah very cartoony but ezra was perfect I mean, the guy who plays him, he just studied Ezra Bridger and was like, I can do that. And nailed it. Does it? Dude, I was like, holy crap, get, it's Ezra. We get Terrace Cassie. He's out there for 10 years on his own. And he's like, oh, yeah, I think Kanan gave me a lesson on this once. It's like it's like a martial art. Let's try it. Yeah. <laughs> holy cow. It's awesome. Yeah. I had more issue with, like, Sabine's acting in, in mm. those interactions. But then again, like, I was trying to think. I was like, well, in Rebels, like they always had an awkward kind of like punch bag yeah. kind of relationship too. Right. Because but he did she... outshine her for sure. Like he was a way better Ezra than she is a Sabine. Oh, 100%. I think her Sabine was wrought with a little more emo a... than I wanted. And Sabine is emo. That's kind of, has kind of her thing. Effect. Yeah. Yeah episode two Hayden that's like kind of what she has going on like she just does yep. just doesn't is not making that connection quite there and, and I feel and, like and, sorry go ahead I want to hear I was gonna first. say it's fine until like Ezra shows up really yeah you know or Ahsoka yep. whatever so it made sense that she has that friction with Ahsoka the only person she's right. really connected with is Hera and that was good those interactions yep. and scenes played um, her pushback with Ahsoka was like, okay, like I get it, but you're supposed to be 26 and you're acting like you're 18. I'm a little annoyed by that. Like, don't act like you haven't existed and lived through all of this hardship and that someone owes you something or what, what's your disconnected because you don't want to get close to someone again. I don't, I don't get it. And then obviously you find out Ahsoka left her. So, okay. I see that too. Yep. I get that. You're going to be a little pushback there, but when she meets Ezra, it's like, Hmm. Okay, I'm still not feeling it. There, there was always something slightly lacking. It kind of plays, being that she is the character of Sabine Wren who has been through that much trauma. That when you've gone through all that level of trauma, and we know thanks to Obi-Wan that they really like to focus our new Star Wars on what trauma does to you. Um, right. We get that through Sabine. I think we get that pretty well. Actually feeling that from her, that her family was wiped out. She can't be close to anyone. Ezra was gone for nine to ten years. He didn't exist. You know, Ahsoka was gone for at least four of that, if not more. They She dropped her, too. So Hera was off being a general. You know, she's still a commander in the army, but what is she really doing? She resented her for the whole, like, we're not going to come help with the fleet thing. She's like, what? Yeah. Bullcrap. Yeah. Rules? <laughs> rules. We're rebels. When do we follow rules? Like, what are you doing? Per- perma rebels. Like, once you're a rebel, I don't think you can undo that. Um, nah. And I think that's the beauty of uh, Chopper. 
Yeah. We get Chopper being the perma. He's the only character who gets to remain exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, I saw there was something where it was like, we, we, we had like four chances for Chopper to commit like a war crime and didn't manage not to do commit a war crime. Um, <laughs> so good on him. War crime Chopper. Because I'm always waiting, man. He well, he's good at it. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Tell me when. And he's always grumpy. He's an angry little droid who's constantly pissed because people are moving his stuff. <laughs> it's these damn kids. Yeah. He gets to be the grumpy old man. It's wonderful. Yeah. Where's R2? R2 is like he doesn't do war crimes. R2's too Nah. R2's a hero. Yeah, he, he is a hero. hero droid. Yeah, he is lawful good, man. Yeah. He cannot be aligned otherwise. Like, yeah. chaotic good, maybe, because right. he's willing to push limits a little bit, but he's never pushing the limits towards, I'm going to murder a society because we got to get out of here. It's yeah. more of the, <laughs> ah, we're probably going to have to shoot this guy. Sorry. <laughs> but, but Chopper's kind of like a good you know, embodiment of like what Andor is, right? It's, it's that mm-hmm. rebel time. Like they had to do some dirty stuff. Yeah. Fighting that dirty empire. And Chopper was not afraid to, cause he didn't have emotions holding him back. He was just like, nah, we can just kill them all. Why? Yeah. What's Why the matter? Not? It's not in the, in the, in the to-do list today to not <laughs> kill people. When he breaks a dam for crying out loud at, <laughs> in rebels, it's yeah. like you, you just wiped out a town, buddy. <laughs> just, Come on, chap. What do you have? I don't want to talk about it. I have to go He's organize great. my stuff. Yeah, exactly. I'll go put my things away and then deal with it. I'll, I'll go babysit Jason for you. Which, okay, having this Jason character, Hera's son, Hera and Kanan's son, I think they're backdooring Jason solo through a Jason character. Hmm. That's where I see them going with him. I'm very excited for that. And I yeah. really hope they pursue that because that would be lining up with around the time that Kylo Ren destroys the temple because after mm-hmm. Ben gets attacked and then freaks out. Yeah. So yeah, some pretty cool stuff that could happen there. And I would love a Jason solo because he was one of the coolest to turn to the dark side. <laughs> I was really happy his episode where he was listening to the waves that all played out the way it did because mm-hmm. that w- was really borderline. Like this can be bad, but it wasn't. Yeah. He, yep. it actually kind of showed even with like who Ang backing it up a little bit. Like mm-hmm. he has some latent abilities to like listen and like be in tune with the forest. Um, mm-hmm. So I was really happy. Like he wasn't just like, just like, pandering to the waves like oh there's something out there like duh <laughs> yes we know as the viewers there's something out there but like the way he could hear the lightsabers like that was cool like that was I really got, neat i got you kid you legit heard something yep you. yep that's the beauty of it is they say that and then it's her listening and even chopper reacting like what <laughs> like <laughs> like they give just that little bit in there of like you got jason like ma check it out like there's you can't hear the lightsabers and then <laughs> It's like a little like, what the hell? Are you drunk again, kid? I told you I only have a little bit. You can't have all of it. (laughs) Don't drink those fluids. Dude, crazy drunk Uncle Chopper is my favorite now. That's that's the new canon. (laughs) Drunk Uncle Chopper. Like, why why would you let him watch your kid? (laughs) No, right? 
just seems like rolling around the you know the Calmarian cruiser just randomly. All kinds take, of trouble. Take take your son and your your murderous droid to to work day. <laughs> Nothing can go wrong. No, of course not. Especially the murderous droid who loves to steal everything and so, pilfers so from everywhere. <laughs> even less reason for Hera to be surprised that she's trying to get court-martialed because I'm sure outside of like the blatantly obvious reason to court-martial her, there's probably a lot of reasons other people have to be like, we should probably court-martial her. Like, she and disassemble that droid. She will not decommission that droid. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get that thing broken down because we at least a, a memory wipe something. This thing is, it's a terrifying monster. But of course, when you have R2 and C-3PO coming over and defending Chopper, they're like, okay, I guess we can't do anything if the heroes of the Republic don't want it. <laughs> the the sub the sub cult of droid hierarchy. <laughs> Which is probably read, led by the ringleader, uh, you know, Princess Leia. Yeah. Yeah. These are my droids. Don't touch them. Exactly. She's got a soft spot for HKs. Don't touch them. (laughs) Her droids, droids have droids. All right. Well, actually, Chopper has a human, maybe a young Jedi. (laughs) That's that's his backup. He's like, I'm in charge of a human half the day. Like, I'm fine. What are you guys complaining about? What are you doing? What are you doing all day? You're not watching this seven year old. Oh, hot oil baths sound hard. (laughs) Um, yeah, Ezra is great, but there's this thing about Ezra is what's his deal? He was a little too okay with ditching them. Almost like relieved they were down there fighting. Like I get he's trying to get back, but almost very much kind of the sense that he shows back up and he's like, hey, I'm here. Everyone else? Yeah. Didn't make it. Eh. Uh, so I kind of like that because it plays the idea that maybe he can get the coordinates, knows how to get there. At least they have, you know, at least they have enough knowledge that the guy with the most knowledge of the place they're going to be stuck at should go and get in contact with the people who could still get back to save them and rescue them. Sure. So I think that part made sense. But you're right. When he first shows up and he puts his hand on Chopper and then he sees Hera when he takes his helmet off and her reaction too. She's like, oh, it's so great to see you. You were like my little brother. Where are the other three creatures that went with you that we need? Where's where's my Sabine? Where's my Ahsoka? And where's my Hu Yang? <laughs> Don't worry about them. They were very important characters. I'm glad you're back, but yeah, no. Yeah, because like anything nefarious going on with him, I don't know. Is he good still? Because he's always had a little bit of a dark side uh, tap. True. True, but I think wherever he... And who knows what happened to him with where he was, too. If he was next to this power that was calling Balin, did he somehow become okay with all of that? Did he become in tune with it? Did it make him stronger, but he doesn't realize he's in the dark side now? Like, it's it's so many questions, so many options. Yeah, there's something a little unsettling about him mm-hmm. um he's just almost a little bit too okay with everything mm-hmm. kind of um and like it his, he didn't give sabine a hard time like yeah. maybe normal ezra would because ezra is always a person that had questions and wanted answers always so 
So it's a little bit jarring that we have this very, I have answers, but I'm not going to discuss any of them. I'm going to say that is a throwback that, that actually parallels exactly what Obi-Wan and Luke did. We're actually seeing now with Ezra and Kanan. Because they've probably had time to commence, you know, speak to each other through the Force. Hmm. So, what we get well, in Gene Luke be a Force ghost. <clears throat> well, he's a ghost wolf, so <laughs> so he's there. He just they communicate differently. He gives him treats, yeah, yeah. and then he has to show him things. He has a big letter board. <laughs> it's like a Ouija board, but different. So, <laughs> but that's kind of the way Luke is in five. Luke is full of question and or yeah, episode five, full of question, constantly trying to figure out what, why, when, how, where. Yet in six, he comes striding in nonchalant. I've got the answers. I'm cool. It's kind of what we see with Kanan when, you know, once Ezra, as Ezra progressively gets older, Kanan calms down a little bit. Because in season one, Kanan's a jerk to the kid. He's just got no patience for him. He's got no time. It's wonderful. It's not until he gets blinded that he's like, oh, trust in the force, kid. It's fine. <laughs> it works for me. It'll work for you. Exactly. So I think Ezra has achieved that after 10 years of being stranded. Like, it's fine. It'll work out. Yeah. And I guess, and Luke also had that dark side vibe, too, about mm-hmm. him in episode six. So, yeah, that's a good point. Very much Ezra has this this episode six Luke thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, which does it, he could still be bad? There's still the option still for him to good. he could be on a razor's edge and just yeah. like anything could just breathe to the other side. And he's like, you know what? I'll just wipe this ship out. <laughs> yeah, never I know. Mean, he, he's just a little too happy, like everything's just kind of playing out a certain way. Mm-hmm. That's all. There's just something suspicious about him. It would be fun if all of a sudden I, I've been doing nothing but trying to connect Snoke in all of this. I've been trying to find Snoke's <laughs> Snoke's way in. Like, did is, is Snoke like a really bad copy of Ezra and Thrawn maybe together? <laughs> Who knows, right? So there's all mm-hmm. kinds of weird, fun stuff like that where like, because we know the technology's out there. We know many cloners have kept trying. So where would Snoke come from? I mean, we saw him in episode nine uh, being in the tube somewhere. So we know he was a puppet of the Emperor, but to what end? How? Where? Yeah. And those tubes have, you know, they, they now go all the way back to the Bad Batch, looking mm-hmm. looking through the tube history. Um, and then Mando, obviously in season two, finding the tubes. Um, so yeah. Yeah, we don't know if like Snoke just is just kind of like the best version of the cloned whatever like they were trying to do. Um mm-hmm. Or yeah, is he, is it something more there? So yeah, that's something good to look out for. Because yeah, they're constantly trying to reinforce the new trilogy. Um, yep, which is good. I mean, it's, it's a good. good marriage, and I think this show did it very well. I think it 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 continues to build on the best parts of the animated series that we love and enjoy, but it actually continues to inform and build in this new world in the greater universe. And allows us to see these really awesome saber duels that I just thought were bar none phenomenal. I mean, the Morgan Elsbeth fight scenes were so good. So good. That finale fight scene was wonderful, especially the the climactic ending. Oh, what a great way to end that fight. What a perfect way to end that fight. 
Yeah, that was so good. They were they were so they were not happy. He was like, "Let's blow up the temple," no. even though they're leaving. But he was not happy about. They weren't happy about that. They're like, Ugh. "Yeah, the Night Sisters are like, uh, you know how old that is." But once again, that's the beauty of Thrawn. Anything for victory. He's like, I he's he's like, I totally get you. I have a taste for art myself, but tactically, it is no longer useful to us. Mm-hmm. Yep. If anything, it could be used against us. Precisely. That could be called out and someone could try to reach out through that. I mean, because it, it's that same star map setup, so they're obviously connected yeah. somehow. You just knock it out. Yeah. Those darn Pergil. They're crazy. Nah, I love those space whales. I like that they just booked it, too. Mm-hmm. They're like, minefield? Out of here. Yeah. <laughs> they're gone. They were the smartest characters in the entire series. They're like, oh, trouble. We'll go. Trouble. We'll go. Later. We'll come back to die here later. Yeah, exactly. This is our death field anyway, so just give us a couple years. We'll be back around. Yeah. This was not scheduled um, anyway, so we're leaving. <laughs> also cool scene, like flying through the, the, the whale graveyard, I suppose. Mm-hmm. That, that was cool. That was um, really cool. But those fighters are very ineffective against anything, at least that ship. Um, yeah, those weird they need, fighters. They need man. stronger pew pews, you know. That's all. Those pew pews were weak as all get out. They might have had like you know, might just what twenty caliber machine guns. Bop, yeah, bop, and bop, bop. whichever episode was it, um, Hu Ang was out flying them for like thirty minutes while everyone yeah. was like busy. Yeah, just like would show back up and be like, "Yeah, oh, they're still chasing me. Don't worry about it." <laughs> episode seven up. Oh, nope, not done yet. Do, do, do. Shields on max. <laughs> um, we're just up here. Those deflector shields. <laughs> so handy. They are indeed. They're weak. Yeah. It was it was a really uh, fun scope that Filoni yeah. gave us that I think he continues to do really well. I think Favreau's done it. I, everything about these new series really give you the size, give yeah. you the grandeur of it. And I feel like you and I actually brought this up the last time I was on, uh, discussing in the Corellian shipyards. Just seeing that yes. scope, the size of everything, this mass. Uh, we get it from being on the planet Coruscant and seeing, trying to trying to picture what a, an entire planet of a city is like, how many mm-hmm. layers deep and how large it is. And the movies try to do that. And I think, once again, Filoni has done it better. And a really good shot, too, that probably, I mean, it's really brief, but when the when Thrawn's ship is hooked up to the ring, and mm-hmm. it's like booking it out of the planet, and they get that mm-hmm. first. It, it, like it's moving quickly. Um, I thought that was just a really nice, clean shot. Like you mm-hmm. don't often, usually the scale of it, because we're so dialed into like um, slow moving space battles, and we're really focused on like fighters. But like mm-hmm. showing like a Star Destroyer like booking it, like I just thought that was like a really good perspective. Yeah, it was great because then you see this little Jedi shuttle, which you've come to understand it's not really little, but you know, it's Millennium Falcon size, a little smaller, slightly smaller than that. Yeah. And it just trying to, you would think smaller ship, it's probably faster, more maneuverable. But the way you see that thing hauling once it's linked into the ring and it's just going, it's like, wow. Oh, yeah, you're, you can't catch it. That's it. Thrawn it's awesome. This little bit of dialogue. He's like, sorry, you've lost this one. And he even, he's like, we're leaving. Let's go. And mm-hmm. like 
we're not we're not dilly dallying like most nope. people would. We're like, yeah, we're in a star destroyer. We're fine. No, you're not. Um, yeah, really, really good. Everything contextually was just so great because he was like, we're getting out of here, and they mm-hmm. certainly did get out. There was no, oh, but we're gonna catch them and tash to the back and nope. Save the there was day. none of that. Oh, no, no. Nope. And, and I love that Thrawn. Just saying, nah, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> like yeah. he makes that statement of like, no, everyone's doubted him. We're not doing that. We're out. And again, stowaway Ezra, just like, I'll be here for the ride, take a shuttle, and I'm out. I'm not at all gonna interfere with this situation. Nope. Suspicious. Not... <laughs> see, I could see that being a little sus, but I feel like at least against Thrawn when he beat him yeah. the last time, he had surprise. The element of surprise, and he was able to use it. This time, Thrawn's the guy who will never make the same mistake twice. So you have to come up with something new. So the fact that Ezra was just home would be enough. Yeah. But losing Ahsoka and Sabine is a big shot. That's hurtful. Yeah, so you're right. Either he has a really good idea on how to get back to them, or he doesn't care. Or secretly, it was his whole plan the whole time. So now they're all stranded, and he gets to be the greatest Jedi. Mm. Right? Now he's going to have to deal with that Luke somehow. (laughs) Oh, those wacky Skywalkers. Can't touch them. I just want to be the best B-tier Jedi. (laughs) Man, I'd say they should all... Every Jedi should have been Jolie Bindo. Just go off to a planet, hang out, be cool with all the people of the planet, work to save and protect the planet, but you know, don't interrupt with anybody. And if someone comes and interrupt with you, just be as mean as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Grumpy. I mean, I think that's what Mando's trying to do. He's trying to just like kick back on his little ranch. Don't touch He my wants baby. to. Um, Dude, he needs to go back to that farm, that Kelto farm, yeah. where he was hanging out with that one chick where he almost took his helmet off for her to be like, I could stay here and live. Why not? Yeah. That place be is great. Like no one's going to find you there. And you got Spotchka for days. Yeah. <laughs> so he settles up on like, it wasn't desert. It was, was it outside of that town? Oh, uh, car, 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 grief, grief cargo. Yeah. yeah. Was it outside yeah. of there? Yeah. It was. Yeah. I, I said very... Anchorhead. No. no, somewhere like that. It's one yeah. of those. Yeah. <laughs> We'll see where he pops up next. It'll be interesting. It always is. I'm excited to see where they're going with that. So we still have Mando 4. We've mm-hmm. got Andor 2. Um, Andor 2. The Acolyte. The Acolyte, yes. That's yeah, coming was out too. Was there a teaser out for that, like a minute long, or was I fevered? So the only thing I've actually seen for it is just like the showing of it and like a few planes flying by. That was okay. it. It was, okay. and I, it honestly, it looked like they just repurposed the one that was supposed to be for the Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron movie, mm. <laughs> which I'm still very saddened by. That's yeah. probably the one that I want more than anything, because X Wing versus Tie Fighter was my all time favorite game growing up. That was the jam. So I, I am all squadrons, about. Yes. Um, I mean, just I got it. I thought I could play it on the Steam Deck, but I couldn't get it to work, even though it's verified. Oh. But hmm. I, I was like, I still want to play it. So I sat on my computer, played like the, like the intro and all that. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. Like, 
they they tell me there's button like these buttons that I see in the movies that, like do things like this is mm-hmm. what they do I'm like this is so exciting um it was awesome very, yeah like not a great game but hmm. not like it executes what I want to do I want to sit in a tie fighter and or x wing and push the buttons that are in there and fly that's all I want I'm a simple yeah. man <laughs> I just need that <laughs> I get to go blow up the other enemy yep. shift my shields front and back like all the things. All the things. It's perfect. It's all I need. And as you would think, the dogfights last about two minutes. And then I'm either dead or, well, I run into things a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Think I can fly fast in those A-wings? It's oh, not yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> They're really good at like this, but then you try to turn and it's... Uh... Yeah, it's weird. They don't have enough wings to turn properly. <laughs> Strange how that works. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tie fighters and X wings, like they, you just feel it, like moving through mm-hmm. space. A wings, yep. like you just kind of feel like a barrel. And you're like, yeah. How do I move around? At any point, you're just like, ah, if I lose an yeah. engine here, I'm going to go really far spinning. <laughs> Corkscrew. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things in like episode seven is when Pose is like, oh man, this thing cranks. I've always wanted to fly one of these. Like, yes, right. A Tie fighter pi- or X wing pilot would want to experience, like, because when are they going to get to like demo a, you know, pilot a. And a TIE fighter just on the whim. Not frequently, unless they started. Ones. Like, that's the other thing. If Unless you were starting, like, Poe Dameron especially, you're right, with those First Order ones, yeah, way cooler. As opposed to Wedge Antilles, who was like, oh, it's a tin can with some guns? Cool. <laughs> they have First shields. I'm going to go with those. <laughs> yeah, they have shields, a rear gun in position, two-seater, so I have a buddy. Mm-hmm. Way more beefed up, but yeah. Way more. This thing cranks. Whoa. <laughs> and it's like, this sucks, dude. I'm trying to get out of here. <laughs> right? And he's just like, this is the coolest. <laughs> you made my day. Oh, I'm I do all love that. happy I got captured by the First Order. This th- this day turned out okay. <laughs> Kylo Ren guy oh. touched my brain, though. I didn't like it. Yeah, it felt weird. I think oh, that's everything. Man. What a good! It was a good series, very good. Is there? A it was, two? man. Is there? Is there? Is there? Is there now? What do you think? Uh, so I don't think there's going to be a season two because I think whatever they're going to do, they're going to break off into a couple of different things, and I think the movies are really where Filoni's going to throw his focus at now. So I don't think there should be a season two. I don't think right. there needs to be. I would rather have. Uh, are we going to find like Balin Skull? Where's his series? You know, are we going to have the Shin Hati series? Um. Maybe now we follow Ezra and uh, we call it Phoenix Squadron. Right. And we get a whole Phoenix Squadron story where so, Ahsoka, yeah, Ahsoka doesn't really come in anymore. Maybe yeah. we just have Sabine pop in once in a while to be the connection there. And we focus more on them in the movies. So either way, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if green lighting and Ahsoka season two is good. And if you have the opportunity to get three movies out of the deal, you know, right? Yeah, I three, don't I know which direction you go. Yeah, same. I Are feel like the movies. To a movie though. Uh, two years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's. I know. Terrible. I know, but it's still so long. It's so yeah. long, especially with this much. With the, to leave this entire series open like that, like that just hurts. Yeah, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get touchbacks in Mando. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll get. We'll probably see Hera right in Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. More yeah. Zeb stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, but I mean, sometimes the time between the series seasons for the, like Andor, like Andor is going to have like two years between its seasons. Yep. So two years for a movie, 
can't be mad at that. Especially nah. if they're like, there's going to be two more. Um. <laughs> and then I'm really excited. Like they were trying to currently pitch the a uh, couple things I've read where they're really pushing the Ray series because they want not just a single movie, but they want to do a whole series for her because they feel 15 years from now rebuilding the order. It's, it's untouched area. We get to actually dig into that. And I'm excited for that. Yeah. But this part of the story, I need my Ahsoka wrap up. I don't, as much as I love the Phoenix squadron and all the characters, Ahsoka is who I need to get a full story from. I need her complete tale. Kind of, we got Anakin's complete tale. I need Ahsoka's complete tale. Yep. I don't know if Dave's ready for that yet. It's his character. It's his baby. He, he would have to let her go. I, that could be hard. I don't think he can do it. I, I would not doubt that we have Ahsoka Tano in the universe for another 20 years. <laughs> yeah. In some form. Lots One of way or the between other. worlds going mm-hmm. on. That's just a whole series on its own. <laughs> with it's just people being annoyed with all the other dead ghosts like come on you made it Kiati oh, Mundi you were a jerk yeah it's a sitcom <laughs> Kiati Mundi is like the uh the Michael character in uh wow oh, what was it in Seinfeld who would come in Jerry oh yeah the Kramer he's the Kramer <laughs> <laughs> You have Yaddle is Elaine. <laughs> oh, dear dancer. <laughs> uh, well, with that Seinfeld reference, um, I think that's all we have for tonight. Um, great chatting with you, as always. Appreciate it, Casey. Always a good time. Pleasure was all mine, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's a great time when we get the opportunity to sit here and wax poetical over one of the greatest subjects ever created. Star so. Wars. Yep. Because it's all subjects rolled into one. Bingo. It's everything. Way. Don't make a Star Wars story in Star Wars. Just make stories in Star Wars. Bingo. Exactly. You got, you got money. Mm-hmm. Rolling Tons in. Tons of cash. Tons of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, other than that, we'll have an episode next week. Don't know what the topic is. Um, we'll discombobulate right now. We, we got a lot, a lot of moving parts in the, in the world of showboys. Um, but Mike is working with Play Along Podcast. They have a Pokemon series out. They're doing a play along on one of the Pokemon games that's hmm. currently releasing on our YouTube. Um, but they have more plans on doing more of that in the future. So definitely be on the lookout for that. So that's rolling out. Um, I wish we would fire up a campaign series here soon. This was our mini campaign series because this would have been the one to do it on, but we were just not organized enough or had the time enough to do it for Ahsoka. Hey, but life, man, life. We squeezed out three episodes, though, around Ahsoka, and I'm fine with that. Two-thirds. Two-thirds. No, one-third, one-third. One-third's not bad. It's kind of like what Meatloaf said, but different. Yeah. <laughs> Close. Um, <laughs> other than that, everyone, have a fantastic evening. Appreciate you stopping in. Again, Casey, always happy to talk Star Wars with you. Um, Pleasure's all mine, my good sir. Once in a while. Um, you got to refill that meter. You got to yeah. bring it back up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now you're ready to go. Yep. Ready to roll. Ready to, ready to go live my life now that I've exhausted some of this out of there. Exactly. Now you can live your truth now that we've managed to get rid of this part. <laughs> you know, and I'm okay maybe with those two years I'm going to have to wait now um for more for more thrawn really yeah that's that's the main takeaway here is more thrawn 
But uh, in the meantime, you've got some awesome things in Star Wars Visions. If you haven't seen season two, brilliant. I watch that. Brilliant. Yeah. Thrawn's kind of like the Imperial Mom Mothma. Like, just give me more scenes of them talking. Yeah. Oh, my God. If you had just an epi- a series of just those two arguing over who thought their position was better than the other, I'm in. That would finally be if Filoni did it. Filoni would finally have an episode where I'm like, okay, I'm good with nothing but talking. Let's go. <laughs> it would be like WandaVision. They're married. It's even better. It's a sitcom reality after whatever happens that drags them into the world between worlds, and that's where they're stuck. They're part of the sitcom. Oh, man. Oh, come on. With that, we're out of here. We're done with this. Night, y'all.